Man, talk radio. Yes, talk radio. So boring, man. Okay. St. Louis puts the hit on. Leopold in the corner, got it out of there. Moved it up the wall. Pelamore went down. Taylor the shot. Redirected. Score! Game seven! Martin St. Louis! We are going back to Tampa Bay! 33 seconds into the double overtime! His first shot of the game. Gets the rebound, put it up top. A series of blunders by Calgary along the far boards, and Tampa Bay made him pay. Tuesday, August 25th, 2020, it's the Laced Up Hockey Podcast. Pretty chipper. Woo! Pretty, woo, okay. <laughs> Let's go. Eh? So, so this guy shows up to my house, doesn't say a word till now, and now he's just fucking ready to go. Like, are, are you drunk, or? You gotta save it. <laughs> you gotta harness it. I guess. Do you lose that much energy just by doing the intro every week normally? <laughs> well, normally, like, I, uh... I spend all my energy, you know, during the day, <laughs> and then, you know. <laughs> we can record at, like, 8.30 in the morning if you need. Like, like, you know, you know, this is, you say it all the time, this is your podcast. Like, we can do it however you need to do it. Fuck, I don't know. Like, do you have, do you find you have more energy at 8.30 in the morning or, like, 1 o'clock? Hmm. That's interesting. I don't know, like, podcasting energy is different than regular energy, I think. Um, I, I, I would say, I, I, I don't know. Well, we've never recorded that early, I don't think, though. What's the earliest we've ever recorded a podcast? Like, like 11 in the morning, I was gonna maybe? say 10, maybe yeah. if we had to, like, be at work for I don't even know yeah. if we did that early, to be honest with you. Yeah, I don't know. I might be good in the mornings. We used to do, you remember a little bit last year, uh, we did Sundays, we would record at, like, 11 a.m.? Yeah. Because we had to be at work later. But I was hung over a lot of those times, so it's like... Was I more chipper because it was earlier, or was I so hungover that I was entertaining because I was still kind of drunk? Like, it's kind of hard to... You know what I mean? Yeah. That's that's a fair question. Well, am it's... I better in the mornings? I... I hmm. I feel like I, I... I don't know. It depends on how I sleep. That would be tough. Okay. I don't... I'm not a great sleeper. Like, I, I sort of uh, sleep inconsistently. Um, so I don't know if I would be that great in the mornings. I, I feel like maybe afternoon to evening is, I think we should maybe stick to that. Unless you'd rather go to the mornings. I'm only one half of this podcast. Well, I was going to say, like, I, I feel like I definitely don't have a lot of energy in the morning. But okay. I also don't now, normally have energy by 8 o'clock at night. I So you just, you're just, you're just living sick all the time. Well, like 11 to 3, I think is prime time for me. Hmm. I think that's when I have the most energy in my day. Okay. Yeah. We can have, um, yeah, I mean, like, if we got to do a tiebreaker, we can have Mike Warren break the tie. If we okay. wanted, and just kind of, you know, the unofficial third member of the podcast. Oh, okay. Yeah. I see. If, if that's what hmm. we got to do. I don't know, like, uh, I've seen you without a coffee in the morning, and I would be worried if we had a strict schedule and for some reason you couldn't get a coffee in you. I, I, I've never seen such a bitchy person without a, without a coffee for, for... Yeah, I'm just gonna cards on the table here. It's not cute. No, 
No, I, it's, don't, I don't enjoy it. It's really not enjoyable. Well, I know you don't enjoy it. You can imagine how I feel. Uh, by the way, I'm Brutes Bataglia from the north side. We didn't, uh, we didn't do that. And surprisingly, uh, three and a half minutes in, I'm still James Cole. Still was, the beginning. And I'm still, still am. You, you kind of got like um, like a little routine with your intros now. You've been saying, I'm still James Cole lately. Yeah. And it's just kind of like, it's kind of like it's your own thing. Like Seacrest out. Yeah. You know? No, exactly. You should start saying that uh, at the end of the podcast. Well. James Cole out. Well, no, I won't be saying that. You could say Seacrest out. It would the, make less sense. The, the still James Cole thing was like, for some reason, like... Stay classy, San Diego. I, no, sort of I, I, like, recently I was at, like, a get-together where, like, I had to introduce myself <laughs> at the beginning of the night. And then, like, Please two hours later... said that. Oh, okay. Two hours okay. later, this guy's like, oh, hey, man, how's it going? Like, I'm Mike. I'm like, yeah, no, I'm, met, I'm still James Cole. Yeah. <laughs> and, like... You had met him, like, yeah, two hours like, two oh, hours man. prior, yeah. What, was he loaded, or...? Uh, it was it was one of those guys um, at um, our, our buddy uh, Dan's birthday party. Oh, okay. That get-together. Oh, nice. Didn't you say it was the other night? No, it, like if I did, I didn't mean that. Oh, like, okay. Like, recently, say, sorry, that, that was like, like two yeah. and a half I've been months doing ago. This, I was going to say I've been doing this bit for a bit now. Oh, so, okay. Yeah. Okay. Oh, oh, I see what you're saying. Mm. So that's how it started. Yeah. So you're giving me the origin story. Exactly. All right. So it's it's like so it's like if you were to watch Batman's a, a Batman movie, were killed, and he fucking he hated criminals after that. So okay. that's how he kind of yeah yeah. He, I love. You know he was scared of bats. Love a good you know origin that? story. Isn't that wild? He yeah. Comes to the Batman. Actually, while we're on the subject, uh, wasn't there like a bunch of fucking big news about like the Batman movies and shit like that? Twilight Vampire Dude is uh, he's got a trailer now. I think with him and what? Robert Pattinson. Oh, no. Yeah, yeah. Okay, but, like, aren't they aren't they doing something cool with those movies? Like, there was, like, a big announcement this week, and everyone oh, was, like, freaking out. I couldn't imagine. No? I think it was just the trailer that was coming out. They were doing... I, I think I heard, heard something about, like, they're trying to sort of intersect, like, just briefly, like, certain things about the new Batman with the old Batman series. Like, there's gonna be some sort of, like... Footage or an appearance by Michael Keaton somehow, and possibly like I, I Ben had, Affleck and Christian Bale, like okay. something like that. To your credit, I've heard something about Keaton coming back. You, this is bearing in mind that the only um, comic book slash superhero movies that I'm remotely interested in are are the Batman movies. Mm-hmm. So, like for me to even be remotely aware of this is pretty good because I don't do superhero movies. Ooh, but. Colin Farrell's going to be in the new uh, fucking Batman. Well, he film. was the wasn't he the freaking uh, no he wasn't anything yet, but no. he's cast to be uh, he's supposed to be the freaking Penguin, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's true. That's that's a interesting. You know, like because here's the thing. You remember like ten years ago when they're like, hey, if they ever do a, a Batman movie and the Penguin comes back. Like, it's going to be Philip Seymour Hoffman, and we already are fucking... It doesn't matter who's yeah. making the movie. Like, he was casted before they had found a director or right. producers or any. Like, that was going to be the thing. And then, unfortunately, he passed away. So now, like, there's not really a Philip Seymour Hoffman-esque actor anymore. You know what I mean? Like, who, who, no, is, right. who is current Philip Seymour Hoffman? Like, it could be Colin Farrell, to be honest with you. Well, I don't, I don't know about that. Oh. They're, they're similar. He started making a lot more, like, Philip Seymour Hoffman roles in movies like lately hmm. you know he's been doing a lot like weird character sort of it's good I like it I actually like Colin Farrell in that kind of a role but I don't know that's interesting I mean, I can't what Colin Farrell or Michael no, Keaton I'm trying movie? to think sorry the next the next Philip Seymour Hoffman I can't really hmm. place like my... like I, I I would say that Colin Farrell 
is is Colin Farrell to the point where it's hard for him to become something else. But he's sort of done like a Matthew McConaughey type thing where he's like taken some different roles in different movies that he definitely wouldn't have been a part of like 10 years ago kind of thing. Okay. I, would, I would say though, if I had to pick like anyone I could think of right now that is going to be the next Philip Seymour Hoffman, I'd probably go Sam Rockwell. Even though he's been around a long time. Hmm. Sam Rockwell plays just some fucking assholes a lot. And That's fair. He's pretty good That's at fair. it. He's great. Um, great actor. Michael Keaton will be returning, or is scheduled to return, as Batman in the upcoming film The Flash. Which is going to come out in two years. Okay. Um, as well as Ben Affleck. So okay. Affleck's going to play like current Batman. And then, and then Robert Pattinson as well. No. Okay, this so is this totally is totally separate from the Pattinson so stuff. Are, are they doing two different Batman movies now? Yes. Weird. So what's the purpose of that, though? I don't know. Money? Like, is one... Okay, correct me if I'm wrong here now. I feel like I maybe heard this, or I might just be making this up. Are they doing a thing where, like, they're combining... Like, I know they already did, like, a Superman-Batman movie, but, like, are they doing a thing where it's, like, Batman, Superman, Spider-Man sort of thing? Like, is that all getting sort of mixed together? Well, or? so, like, they've already done Justice League. And it, right, okay, it wasn't yeah, yeah. good. So, but well, for some reason... But it may have actually been good, because they're doing... The, the, isn't that the thing they're doing, the Zack Snyder cut? And that actually might be good? Maybe. Okay. We'll have to see. It's well, going to be four hours long. There's rumors so, that yeah. they're going to do it. Yeah, okay. Um... But it, I don't know. It, it wasn't good. I, I know if the Flash was part of that for some reason. I think like it was. I don't know if you like know how like Marvel didn't have Spider Man for the first like fifteen years, and they only recently got the rights to Spider Man. Yeah. So like I think the Flash is the same idea where someone else has the Flash, so they couldn't use the Flash in mm. the Justice League series. Okay. So I think this is like them trying to tie that in, but I don't know. Hmm. I I just I, I'm kind of I'm kind of down for Keaton playing Batman again. I'm down for that. Hilarious. I am. I am actually. I never actually saw uh, Justice League because I, I didn't really care. No, did I? but like what I would say about Zack Snyder is he is um, a really good filmmaker. Hmm. Like like Three Hundred's not something I would be interested in. It was really good. Yeah, Watchmen really couldn't care less about the story. Unbelievably made movie though. Like that movie's inc- fucking incredible. Like incredibly well done, well casted, everything. Man of Steel was good. I saw that. It was good. Yeah. Uh, I mean, like he's an executive producer on Suicide Squad. He, I'm not really going to blame him for that movie. Right. But uh, but apparently Suicide Squad had similar issues to Justice League, where it was like the studio kind of came in and started putting too many fingerprints on it. So apparently that was actually supposed to be good too, and mm. then the studio fucked around and. Oh okay. I don't know where I learned all this this week magically, considering I don't uh, I didn't read anything about it and I don't uh, watch these movies. But I must have had a conversation. Okay, for you, man. Speaking of uh, having a conversation. Uh, Speaking of the penguins. Yeah, uh, Mark Andre Fleury and his agent uh, Alan That's Walsh right. had to have a fucking conversation. That's uh, right. Uh, yesterday, because uh, his agent Alan Walsh posted a, a lovely, lovely little caricature. Almost, almost like Renaissance art level um, photo of of Flurry making a what by all accounts is, was a beautiful save, um, and and this this fucking this this giant fucking broadsword through his back um, covered in blood, which I thought was I thought that was a little much, you know. It's, it's you know it's gore. People, you know, Flurry likes you know young it's kids. It's a little like, much, you know, yeah. You know? 
and then uh, fucking uh, Peter DeBoer's name on the uh, on the sword uh, shaft, as it was. Uh, pretty wild. Uh, photo got taken down today. A lot of a lot of people talking about you know did did Flurry know about this before Walsh posted it? Did he did he not know about it? Do you uh, do you keep tabs on your agent's day to day Twitter Twitter feed? I'm not sure that you do, but that was, that was, that was fun. That was fucking wild, eh? Um, obviously, Robin Lehner, talk of the town right now. He, he got the uh, majority of the starts uh, so far for the Vegas Golden Knights, and and uh, I, I believe played four of the five games against the Chicago Blackhawks in the last round. Is is there anything? Like super deep that we should be worried about here. Like, is 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 Flurry's time with Vegas on the rocks? Should we? You know, is there any indication of that? I, I I don't see it, but I've seen a lot of people talking about it. Yeah, I mean, here's the thing: is um, if if you if you thought that his time with Vegas wasn't already on the rocks before this happened, that's just naive. Like that that well, that's just that's insanely naive. He just like, signed a big contract extension. That's you know, great. Just the they, face of the franchise. I I don't agree with that at all. But um, he he definitely was the the knight in shining armor. Not to use a ridiculous pun. Um, the first year because they really that was really the only guy that everyone was excited about going into the year. Yeah. And they sort of developed their own stars, and, and these guys turned out to be a lot better than everyone thought they were going to be, and that was great. And then last year came around, and Flurry wasn't uh, wasn't bad; like he was still good. And the the difference is that the team was better, and you know these guys had these expectations on them, and are they going to be that good? And it's like, yeah, they're going to be that good. We have Stasny now, we have Pacioretty, like. This team made moves to make themselves better. And Flurry was still good. But this doesn't change the fact that Flurry is an aging goaltender. And at some point, the bottom is going to fall out. And I'm not saying the bottom's falling out. But where we're at now is year three, Flurry was uh, not good and t- until the end. And um, at some point, they needed to make a move because Flurry was going to be the type of goaltender in the playoffs, that everyone, rightfully or wrongfully, makes Frederick Anderson out to be. Where he might have made your clutch saves, there was really no reason to indicate that other than his previous history. So basically all I'm saying is this was an aging goaltender and the Vegas Golden Knights rightfully took a look at this situation and said, we can get Robin Leonard for dirt cheap, who is, sorry, a much better goaltender than Marc-Andre Fleury. So they made the smart move to make sure that they had that insurance... And Flurry is um, Flurry is right to be upset. Um, if, but also upset. if he's upset, but also not right to be upset in the sense that this was just a matter of time and it's just business. He really shouldn't take it personally. But he's right, like as you know, the former face of the franchise and still maybe the face of the franchise, and you know, a guy who. Uh, maybe blames his struggles on other things. Like, that's another thing. He might be blaming it on an injury. Or, like, there's got to be stuff we don't know about maybe that would work under the surface to make him upset there, too. But from the outside looking in, this is literally just a matter of a goalie who, uh, before he was acquired by Vegas, was argued to be finished and is now 
argue it again to maybe be finished. Like, there's nothing wrong... It's the Bill Burr joke, right? There's nothing wrong with being 35 and being 35. Like, you didn't get fucked. Everyone ages the same. It's just how time works. There's nothing wrong with being 35. But at some point, you're told that you can't play the child's game and Flurry might be there. And I'm not saying he's wrong to be upset, but this was a very real situation that we were dealing with uh, coming into the season... Uh, coming into the existence of the Vegas Golden Knights in the first place. And all this is, is Vegas making an incredibly smart move to shore up their goaltending just in case Flurry's done. And if he isn't done and they pissed him off and they have to trade him now, it's still a good problem to have to maybe have two very good starting goaltenders. I don't think Flurry's finished. But without question for me, Leonard's the better goalie. And maybe that's... I wouldn't say that's me underrating Flurry as much as that is maybe overrating Leonard. Like, I think Leonard's really fucking good. Um, so, like, I, I, don't, I don't know. He's right to be upset. He can be upset all he wants about anything. But um, this is a business move. And I, I honestly... If they can re-sign Leonard for roughly the same cap hit as Flurry and trade Flurry without having to give up anything to have someone take him... I think it's a win. I realize that's yeah. jumping ahead here too, but sure. I I just I don't I don't know. Is it is his time in Vegas maybe finished? Uh, there's a really good chance it it probably could have been uh, uh, coming into the off season anyway. Leonard just sort of moves that along. You're not wrong. Like, now they don't have to sign. Sorry to keep cutting you yeah. off. But they don't have to sign Leonard's sight unseen now. Now they know he works for them. Right. Sure. It's not going to be a Bobrovsky situation where. Well, maybe he's just going to fucking suck in Florida because of this huge contract. Like, at least Leonard's settled and can kind of... I like that way better than signing a guy on the open market. Mm-hmm. It's a way bigger risk. Yeah. I, I I like... like I thought the move was really smart back when, you know, at, sure. at the deadline... Well, they yeah, pulled the trigger. of course it is. But, but like, I, I don't think it's realistic to sit here and say that, you know, Robin Leonard is going to be with the Vegas Golden Knights next, next year. Like, they would have to shed... A few contracts just to, to make the cap hit. Well, not really. If they move Flurry out, Leonard's not going to get if, much more than but, Flurry. But Flurry's got a no move. He's well, sure. But he, he by all accounts doesn't have to go anywhere. But going back to your original question, do like do I think he's upset? Yeah, I actually do think he is upset. I think he's playing it off very well. But I I would imagine he's upset. Sure, but him knowing full well, like if if, if Vegas is where, like the guy's thirty five. He's mm-hmm. he's got this certainty to a to an extent he just this is year one of the new deal he, I, I you'd have to assume he's got somewhere that he's living in in vegas his family just moved there from pittsburgh like he can turn around and just say to them like no i'm i'm not going anywhere like i'm gonna be your sure guy next can. year and then that by all accounts would cost vegas the you know the, the opportunity to bring back leonard i'm not saying that's what flurry does but it's within his power to do yeah, uh, I, I don't know where he goes. Where he's the undisputed number one goaltender. If Vegas can even find a trade partner willing to take him, Carolina Hurricanes, maybe. Really Does Carolina good. want him? I would. I wouldn't. Why wouldn't you? Well, he just got unsurped by Robin Leonard at the deadline, as on a team that was clear cut headed to the playoffs. Like no doubt, this isn't like Dwayne Rolson. We got to bring in a guy to no, help but us get over the but edge. he didn't. He didn't get. Yeah. This isn't Ty Conklin getting usurped by Dwayne Rollison. This is, uh, by all accounts to most people, 
a top 10 goaltender in the league getting usurped by a top 10 goaltender in the league. Like, like y- y- you can't have your cake and eat it too. Like, no. Flurry's either a high-end goalie or he's not. He's not. To me, he's not. But, you know, like, it- it's just, it's this whole thing where I feel like, like, Flurry just, his time there was just going to be done anyway. Like, it's just, I don't know. Yeah, I, I just have a, I have a hard time believing that it's over when, to me, he's the guy in the driver's seat here. It's up he, to him if he, he wants is, to be but, over. But, okay, so going back to your question, like, you asked me, like, well, you didn't really ask me, but you said that if you're Carolina, that you don't want Flurry. And, I, and I'm not, I, I literally don't mean this like I'm calling you out or anything like that. I'm just comparing it to a point you made before where in the last round you were very anti-Carolina because of their goaltending. Yeah. And you were right to be, as we saw in that fucking series. But it's one of those things where it's like, do I think Flurry at this stage is better than, than Carolina's options? Yeah. And I actually think that other than Leonard, he actually might be their best option out there. Like, I, I really don't know what other goalie's going to be on the market this year that I would have as much faith in as, Mark, as Marc-Andre Fleury. Anderson? I don't think the Leafs are trading him. The other Anderson? I don't, wouldn't really fucking want him. So, I don't know. Like, I'm just I'm just saying Carolina's one team that needs a goaltender. Sure. Calgary's one team that needs a goaltender. Cap's way easier for Carolina to make work than Calgary. But, conceivably, you know, you can make something work. All I'm saying is just, I don't see Leonard necessarily like as as good as i'm saying he is he's in a weird spot with his resume that i'm not sure he can get more than like 7.5 oh he's gonna get paid whether he will because of covid is is maybe a different story but well and that's but this, that's this another is, thing this is a guy that that should by all count he should be getting paid okay but going back to what i'm saying though is flurry's a seven million dollar goaltender right well so he, on paper no he makes yeah. seven million dollars right. So, uh, like Robin Leonard, for example, is uh, going to go onto the open market, hypothetically. I can't, at this point, think of a team that has $7.5 million to spend on a goaltender where Leonard's going to want to hit the open market and make the jump when he already has it made in Vegas. Like, I think it's just one of those things, if Vegas can find a way, obviously I understand your argument, if Vegas can find a way to move Flurry and not retain anything more than, like, a couple hundred K, then I don't see why Leonard would leave. Like, I just don't... I can't think of a team other than maybe Colorado that could use a goalie, that could offer him that money, and that he would actually want to go. Like, I just... I think it all makes sense that all these other teams are just going to get outbid by Vegas because it's Vegas. Well, And that, that might be wrong, but... But it's just one of those things. Like I don't, I just don't see Leonard getting more than nine million a year, because he there are there are a lot of reasons why a general manager can make the argument that he's not worth that, and I don't agree with them. Yeah. But Leonard doesn't have a ton of leverage. He has some. It's not that much. Uh, I just I, I look at that and like, if I'm Carolina. Why am I looking to acquire a seven million dollar Mark Andre Fleury when I can just go out there and offer Robin Leonard seven million dollars? No, but that but that's a, that's what I'm saying. Like that's like, that's the fit I think is is Leonard to Carolina more so than Fleury. Well, but 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 that's what I'm saying. Like I'm I first off I don't think it gets resolved till free agency. Sure, but I think it's once those windows open, 
and Leonard talks to all these other teams and they're offering him roughly the same amount of money that Vegas is offering him. Why? I just don't see why you'd leave. You know what I mean? And then all these other teams lose out on Leonard and it's like, okay, but we also have Marc-Andre Fleury we can offer you. And, and I could be missing other goalies that are on the market that are comparable. I don't think I am, though. Like, like Devin Dubnik maybe gets traded? Nowhere close to either of these goalies we're talking about at this stage. Henrik Lundqvist, if he wants to go, what, nowhere what the, uh, close to any of these goalies. One of the Penguin, go- Penguin boys is going. Not even close to either of these two goalies, I don't think, though. Like, Mer- well, like, like I'd take both those guys in Pittsburgh over Fleury. I... I understand maybe you take the risk on Matt Murray for sure, but um, and, and and a decent fit in Carolina, but it could be one of those things like Pittsburgh still has Murray's rights, yeah. and if he doesn't ask for a trade, which I only know him well enough to say I I don't know that he would be the type to ask for a yeah. trade, um, but I I don't necessarily think he's all that happy in Pittsburgh as as of right now, so if he asks for a trade, great, but. Like, I think Jimmy Rutherford just fucking signs him. You know? Yeah. I mean, there are other teams that need goalies. It's just, what are they willing to pay? And as we've seen in the past, the trade market for goaltenders is very, almost non-existent. You know? Like, we're Mm -hmm. just talking about Robin Leonard, who got traded for, what, a fucking second and a third round pick this year? And he's the best goalie to get traded in how many years? You know? Yeah. No, for sure. it's, It's interesting. Like, I... Holpe's out there too. Holpe, but he's like, a free agent Holpe's as well, out there right? too. So, but 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 that's what I'm saying. Like he's out there too. So if you'd rather bid on Holpe, I gotta be. Like, I I honestly might prefer Flurry. Like I, I'm, it's it's close. It's just it's I close. I think the decline is more rapid on Holpe. Like it, it's it's yeah. It's been pretty. It I don't want to say it's been scary, but he's nowhere close to what he used to be. Whereas Flurry, like Flurry's just such a weird goalie, like. He's never really been that great. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> what I, mean? like, I think he's had really good years, but I think the only only advantage that well, the only two advantages that Holtby has is that he's significantly nimble. Holtby quick. He's significantly younger, and I, I yeah. can't see him, you know, pulling in a seven million dollar contract mm, yeah. that Flurry has. So you could probably get him cheaper. You get him younger. He might pull that in, but I don't. I don't know. He's going to be one of those guys that's going to go like what is Holtby? Hard to argue. Thirty. He's thirty. Thirty. He's not gonna. He's not gonna be the type to go on the market and be like, "Give me Bubrovsky money." That guy no. doesn't really give a fuck about making money. I don't think, to be honest with you. So, he, I think, would be more worried about the fit. And if Carolina can get him cheap, that's great. Yeah. But, I mean, like, it, like you gotta, you gotta think too. Like, like going back to your argument. Like, if you're, if you're flurry, just say you're flurry, and they ask you to move your wave your no move. Who out there is good that needs a goaltender? It's Calgary. It's Carolina. You could argue Colorado, because without Grubauer, I don't know about Francis. Um, Columbus is fine. Uh, <laughs> Edmonton needs a goalie. Um, Florida, I guess, is going to have to figure it out. Um, maybe Minnesota, right? But does Flurry wave to go to Minnesota? Like, probably not. No. So, you were very confident there. Yeah. Like, an- another goalie, too, like, as we're going alphabetically through the playoff teams, is like, I don't know what goes on with Pecorino either this summer. Like, there there might be, this this might be, like, a weird summer for goaltenders. Oh, I think it will you be. You know? Like, you, you look at the Rangers, even. They've got they three, three guys. Yeah, they've got to make somebody. a decision. And that's the thing. Does, does like, it, it's been brought up, does Lundqvist retire? Yeah, it's tough, eh? Like, you know. 
Another team. I, I don't think he want. He did. He said he doesn't want to go anywhere else. Has he changed his mind? Right. 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 Another team. Like I think we're. I don't know if we're sleeping on them per se, but I, I think like a bit of a dark horse here could be San Jose. Like if, if they can yeah. find somebody that'll replace Martin Jones. Well, San Jose's in. They've a, lost a few pieces. San Jose's but, in a spot where they need to make a very crucial decision: are they yes. in or are they out? Right. Because there are a lot of guys on that team that they can still flip for an asset mm-hmm. that are still valuable guys. But if they wait another year, like, I don't know who's trading for Brent Burns now. And if you give him another year of declination, who's trading for him? You know what I mean? Somebody will. A year from now? I don't know. Just like, like if... somebody will offer Dustin Buffalo a contract in the summer. In well, the offseason. I don't. I don't know if I. I don't think those are the same thing. But like, well, one guy's played hockey from the last two years and been really bad at it. Sure. Last time. Last time we saw Bufflin, he was really good. Still, he was, yeah, really good. But he was, he was good. Like, I, I. I don't know. Like, somebody out there will make at, an offer at, for. Brad I mean, like uh, we're talking a year and a half ago, but at the time of Bufflin's most recent injury, he was probably a, a top twelve. I would say defenseman in the league. And that's that's sure. that's me trying to undersell it because he's my favorite player. Sure, but like, um, yeah, I, I don't know. Like San Jose could be an interesting one, but just it's just going back to Flurry. Like it's, I don't, I don't see a situation in which this gets resolved unless he's already not mad, and that's kind of the thing we don't know. Now, does this does this happen if if Jared Gallant is still the coach? No. Are we talking about this? I don't think so. He's he's his guy, right? I, I think so. DeBoer had no, you know, commitments to either of these guys. He came in, had a blank piece of paper in front of him, and had the opportunity to say, I'm going to put the better goalie in that. And he did that. Yeah. Whereas, I think with Gallant, like you said, like we're probably not talking about this. Uh, maybe, at, maybe at first. I think Florida gets the benefit of the doubt, depending how long it takes for him to to come out of the net because we're sitting here saying like you know Robin Leonard's like the clear cut guy and he's you know the, the, all, all this they just beat Chicago you know well fucking going back to it like I, I don't think Chicago beats Vegas regardless of who's in net I, I don't think that moves the scale in t- too much Maybe Leonard would have really had to be like seven games of prime Robin Leonard to make it work you know what I mean like he like if he were still in Chicago he right. would have had to have been right, but I, I he mean, would have I had mean, to like, have been the legend of Carey Price level good no, no, to no. win that series. No, you're right, but I, I mean, like if if if, could. if Leonard was on the bench for for Vegas, is what I'm saying, and Flurry oh. was the guy. Oh. Well, I still think yeah. that's a pretty yeah, open and shut case. Probably. Maybe maybe we go six. Yeah, it goes we, longer. You know, think, we we don't we're not talking. That was a Chicago's weird... got this in the bag. Nah, that was it was a pretty big. Uh, the ice was pretty tilted toward exactly. the end of that series. Anyway, the first so, couple. So games there's a fair argument here that that says that Gerard Glantz and the, the coach in Vegas still like Flurry might be the guy. Yeah, he could still be the guy at this point. So I mean, like to think about it too. Like the last time that I can really remember of a team that good trading for a goalie that good at the deadline, and not even a team that good. Like trading for a goalie that good at the deadline was in 2017 when LA traded for Ben Bishop. Yeah, but the difference there was. Jonathan Quick had injury problems, right? That was the difference. Mm-hmm. So, you know, Daryl Sutter was the coach at the time, and he said, well, yeah, we need a fucking goalie. Like, who else, like, 
our team makes the playoffs every year based on how our goaltending is, and our goalie's hurt. Yeah. So we need a goaltender. So they went out and traded for Ben Bishop, and it didn't work out. But, like, I just can't remember the last time a goalie this good got traded at the deadline, and there really hasn't been a situation in, in a long time where a goalie that good got traded usurped the number one guy because in most cases your clear-cut number one guy you shouldn't have to trade for a goalie like Robin Leonard if your number one guy is that fucking good why would you ever burn an asset on trading for a goalie better than the one you already got like you know what I mean it makes sense to trade for a backup but why would you ever trade for fucking Robin Leonard if you've got a guy that you trust and I think Pete DeBoer was yeah. asked about it and I don't think Pete DeBoer trusted Flurry 100% and, and I know, and they got Leonard a decent price, but well, that's the thing, right? They got two different teams to retain salary on the guy, and what did they give up? Uh, a second round pick, exactly. and they've got six of them. Like, I think the cost for Leonard in the NHL was one thing. The cost of Leonard to Vegas was something completely different, because they did not give up a lot to to get him, and they're not paying him a hell of a lot to you know sit on the bench theoretically. Essentially, Malcolm Subban in a second round pick, yeah. right? Who who he was just going to replace anyway. Like, they paid less for Robin Leonard than the Leafs paid for Jack Campbell. And you're telling me that, okay, worst case scenario, Robin Leonard's just our backup for the next, at the time, three months? Mm-hmm. Why not? Yeah. Roll the dice. Go for it. No other team can, can feel that way about the situation, I don't think. Yeah. I I think, I to answer your question, I don't think this happens if Gerard Gallant's the coach. Right. I, I, would, I would agree with that. <sighs> I didn't want to do this segue, but I'm going to do it anyway. Speaking of uh, no longer being a coach, uh, Todd Reardon. Woof. Out in Washington. Woof. Not I'm your sorry. best. No, I'm sorry. Yeah, Todd Reardon's done. There's the show writes itself. Yeah. Um, That's why we're nominated for all those uh, illustrious yeah. podcast awards. Yeah. You hear guys hear about this? After six years in, uh, in Washington behind the bench uh, in some capacity, Todd Reardon fired after the Capitals uh, lose to the Tampa, uh, the uh, sorry, the New York Islanders in the first round. Um, first off, how, how does this look? Knowing what we know about the New York Islanders, you know, moving forward, like obviously they, they beat the Capitals. They're up on the fucking Flyers right now. Holy shit! Handedly, I didn't look at the score. Handedly. I saw a couple goals, but that was it. Um, I know we talked about it last time about you know if if, if the Islanders beating the Capitals was a, a trots knowing the Washington. This is gonna be so funny when the Islanders situation. Win the oh, God. oh my God! This is about. gonna be great. Yeah, it's not gonna happen. It's gonna be great. Um, but was this a fair shake for Todd Rudin? Because I, I I saw this and I thought this was a bit of an, like a, a pretty large overreaction to. Oh. Uh, Interesting. A COVID plague. I kind of, if I you mean, will, yeah. uh, season. Because I'm not, I'm not mocking you or here or anything, but sure. uh, I thought Todd Reardon was absolute dog shit as a coach. I, I don't really, I don't really know what he was thinking a lot of the time. I, I thought he was terrible. Um, I, I think they. I mean, I'm not going to sit here and say that they should have fired him earlier. Like they also didn't give him a super long time behind the bench. But uh, I would have fired him for sure. Yeah. 48, 26, and 8 in his first the, season as a head coach in the NHL. The other thing with Todd Reardon, too, is just, like, there's so many other coaches out there, right? Like, I don't I don't know if he gets well, fired if, sure. if Gallant and, and 
I, I don't know. I can't think of Well, Boudreaux's out there. Uh, Laviolette, Babcock. Babcock was almost the second name I said. Doesn't really feel like that should be the second name on the on the packing order. Especially when one of those guys was but, fired by the Washington Capitals. Yeah, that's so, right. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. I, 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 again, I, I just, I, anytime I watch them, uh, they looked flat. They looked uninspired. Their, their lines didn't seem to make a lot of sense. The lines didn't seem to change. The ice time allocation was bizarre, like just playing guys that uh, there was no reason to believe uh, were very good. Um, yeah, I, I don't I don't really know. The the only real thing I liked that he did was uh, take away the keys from Braden Holtby and give them to Samsonov, but then he gave them back to Braden Holtby. So it's like I don't know. Not that I'm blaming him for that one. Hard to say. Like that's he was on pace. He was ha- they were having a better year this year than his first year, and his first year was pretty good. So, it's a really good roster, though, is what I'm saying. Like, well, we 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 have this discussion all the time, though. It's, it's, it's it goes back to the Mike Sullivan thing we talked about, where is Mike Sullivan a good coach, or is Crosby, Malkin, and Latang just going to sometimes do Crosby and Malkin and Latang things on the ice, and and it doesn't really matter who's behind the bench. Mm. Like, well, I I mean, standings would argue otherwise, so I'm not going to sit here and die sure. on this hill, but like. I would say that the Penguins are are a much better hockey team uh, than Edmonton, and when you compare their rosters, they're not that much better. Like I, I, it's just like I think Mike Sullivan does do a lot for that team, and the quality of star that he's working with, he's got three of them, and Edmonton has two of them. But like sure. the two that Edmonton has, I would take over the three that Pittsburgh have at this yeah, stage. Yeah. I mean, he, he also gets, like, you know, 9-12 goaltending, which is, you know, I, I don't know if you can coach that, but, like... 9-12 goaltending? Between Murray and Jerry. That's, that's nothing to be super excited about. Right, but Edmonton's getting eight ninety six Because they're terrible. Right, so... They're one of the worst puck possession teams in the league because they have a bad ex- roster. Exactly, so, like... I'm, if, I'm if, saying if Pittsburgh... the goalies are bad, I'm it saying doesn't matter Sullivan, how the coaches. Uh, well, the goalies are bad in Pittsburgh, too. The team is good in front of them. Yeah, I get maybe. Are they? Are they? Are they that much bad? Like, like worse? Sorry, that much bad. That much bad. They're, I think they're that much bad. Like they're they're both better than Holtby. Uh, see now we're now we're bringing three teams in. This. I I think the team in Washington is still. I mean they're aging, so it's hard to tell if they've hit a wall. Which I'm not going to really make an argument one way or another. But um, on paper, they're still considered to be a very good hockey team. And, sure. Um, it's possible they hit a wall, and Todd Reardon's getting blamed for that. But I mean, he played Ilya Kovalchuk a lot, and Ilya Kovalchuk was horrendous. And like, I, I, ju- I just don't know. Yeah, yeah. I don't in the playoffs. Like, I don't really yeah. think uh, Todd Reardon. Todd Reardon. Um, even just listening to him coach, he he had such bizarre quotes and shit like that. Like, I just didn't. Wow. He just didn't really seem. He just doesn't seem like he's cut out to be a head coach. Yeah. He's clearly done a good job as an assistant coach in the league. Yeah, yeah. And uh, clearly was a character guy when he played and everything like that. I'm not questioning that, but um, I, I at no point did he seem like the right fit in Washington, and that's fine. Doesn't mean he is a bad coach. Just maybe means he wasn't the right coach for said team. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Like I said, like I, I, I thought this was a really unfair shake for him, a season and a half. Let's call it like it, it's a little, maybe a little more than a half, but a season in which he didn't get to finish that he didn't get to go into the playoffs under the pretext of what the season would like, like this is a team that they shouldn't have been playing the Islanders in, in this play in round by all accounts. Like 
they came out flat in the little the little playing best of three that mm-hmm. they were doing, and that's that's going to happen. Like one of those teams had to finish fourth, but I, I think in hindsight, looking looking at how this team was was going and playing down the stretch, like I don't know, like they're they, they probably don't get that matchup. So um, I I don't like the decision to to do this sort of thing under the the COVID umbrella. I know we've seen it here and there. You know, the Leafs aren't bringing back their assistants. Certain teams are looking to trade goalies. They're looking to, you know, blow certain certain things up around the league. But when when we're, we're looking at this through a through a COVID lid uh, lens, I just I don't I don't know. I don't know if we can look and look back on this in in all good faith and, and say this was the right move um, down the road. But yeah, well, and that's where arguments differ, though. Is I'm just saying since the moment he took over that there was argue there was some evidence that Todd Reardon was a bad coach is all I'm saying so this is one of those things where like I, I think regardless of if they lose in the first round that he probably was getting fired anyway and maybe not the right way to approach it like maybe just fire him when you decide you're going to fire him mm-hmm. right and that might have I mean we don't see it anymore uh, teams have won the Stanley Cup firing their fucking coach like 10 games before the playoffs not saying you should do it but if you're going to do sure. it maybe just fucking do it yeah and take the risk like if you know that he's just going to flame out in the fucking playoffs anyway and you're so confident about it, then why don't you see what Jerry Gallant can fucking do with the team for a few months and if he can't do anything with him, then then whatever. At least you tried. The thing with it too, like looking back, like they gave up Barry Trotz for this guy. It's not like Barry Trotz walked away from Washington. I won't won't blame Brian McClellan for that, but it, it clearly was an organizational decision and you can blame Ted Leonsis all you want. And he is the owner. He can do what he wants with his team. Yeah. But if if the new if the decision came from him, and by all fucking reports, that's where it came from, uh, then it's a major mistake. You can't fire the owner, unfortunately. So it's just kind of one of those things. Like that. That's the shitty part about sports. That's the one thing that bugs me. Is like you can't really make up for a shitty owner because we all just have to shrug our shoulders and be like, well, I guess Ted Leonsis is just not too great. My bad. Like it's like, well, that kind of sucks for Caps yeah. fans, doesn't it? So, yeah, I mean, I mean, there was also, there's also the reports that apparently everyone in Washington fucking hated Barry Trotz and whatever, like, if that's the case, but you want to stand the cup with him, yeah. just pay him and fucking deal no, with it. No Do you want to likes... win a cup or, or not? Well, then ask for a trade and get the fuck out of here and go, go play for Florida and have fun then. No one liked Scotty Bowman, <laughs> no. but the guy coached the game, so I, I you put up with it. I, yeah, yeah. I, I played for guys that were assholes, and if they did a good job, that's fine. Yeah, I don't care. Yeah, you know, uh, one Washington coach, one former Washington coach to another, Bruce Boudreaux, back in the news. Uh, he was let go by the Minnesota Wild during the season. Um, so some some rumors that Mount Bruce might be going to the assistant role in Toronto. Uh, obviously, uh, Bruce still wants to be a head coach in the in the league. That are might not be a ton of openings. You know, Washington's one of them. I, I can't imagine he goes back there. Um, at, at this point, <laughs> I can't think of anywhere Didn't else go well that's going to have, really. like, a clear-cut head coaching job available come, you know, November, whatever we're looking at. But the Leafs certainly making it known that, that they're interested in his services. Mm-hmm. So it's it'll be what like five, six, 
six games into the season when we get the first Toronto Sun article about Boost Boudreaux taking over for Sean Oh, I, I wouldn't hire him. I wouldn't touch him with a 10-foot pole, to be quite honest with you. And I, I think he is going to be an excellent assistant coach if he wants to be. I, I don't want anything to do with that. It, it, it's just, it's only going to be a matter of time. Here's the other thing is, look, I don't want to question anyone's character that I don't know. But something about Bruce Boudreaux has always seemed a little unsettling to me. I don't even know if he would get along well with Sheldon Keith for sure. The thing for me is, like, your assistant coaches don't necessarily need to be the greatest X's and O's guy. They need to kind of see things the same way as your head coach. Otherwise, the staff doesn't work. Every staff I've ever been a part of, every team i played for, if the coaches don't get along, it doesn't work at all. They all need to be in uniform with each other, I think. And so... If Sheldon Keefe interviews Bruce Boudreaux and thinks there's a fit there and they want to hire him, then go right ahead. But if they're going to hire him and tell Sheldon Keefe that this is their assistant coach now, I don't know that some of the players maybe don't kind of listen to Bruce Boudreaux a little more or something like that. If they're Like, I'm just saying, I understand this is the National Hockey League, but these things do happen. Power struggles do happen. This league isn't as, like perfect and elite as everyone thinks it is like there's still disagreements and weird shit happening between the scenes all i'm saying is there's nothing wrong with hiring a former head coach as an assistant coach the leafs currently have one on the bench but that's presumption like the presumption there is that him and keith were going to get along hackstall was already there I'm sure there was a little bit of conversation between Keefe and Haxtell. Haxtell doesn't really seem like to have that many fucking hard opinions either. He just seems like a pretty kind of chill, older dude. So, I'm just saying, with Bruce Boudreaux, if it works, then do it. But I'm not 100% sure that that is the fit. And I wouldn't hire him just for the sake of it being Bruce Boudreaux. Because I don't think that... Paul McFarland was the fucking problem with this hockey team. No, and, and definitely. And, and Mc, sorry, McFarland wasn't fired. He, he true got an true. opportunity somewhere else, and, yeah. the, and the Leafs let him go. And uh, technically fired Andrew Brewer, who was a yes. Mike Babcock. Well, they didn't renew him. Well, all right, yeah. let's be polite. Yeah, yeah. It is. It is near Christmas. You know. True. Did you know this season of our podcast been going for almost a year? That's how fucking long this season's gone. We've been going for like a year solid on season two. And don't you forget it. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to have to watch my, my saved files. September September 9th. I probably shouldn't save that one twice. So i have to start adding a season. Season 2. September 9th. I don't know. Like I, 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 I agree with you in, in the principle that if Keith wants Boudreaux, let's go. Like, why not? Um, if we're just hiring Boudreaux because the Leafs like him and, and he likes the Leafs and he's from Toronto and... Oh, he used to play here, and he'd be really nice, and you know, nobody else wanted you, so we'll give you like that's that's the wrong reason to do it. But yeah, no, if if Sheldon Keefe sits sits back and says like I think this guy can give us an edge defensively or wherever Boudreaux is going to make his mark uh, on the Leaf bench, sure, I'm 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 willing to admit that the Leafs should do everything in their power and flex their financial muscles. And get the best people in the best spots available in in the league, whenever mm-hmm. possible. Yeah, if that's Bruce Boudreaux, like I'm not going to sit here and complain. I'm, what I'm worried about is the 
the fucking Steve Simmons article that comes out. Wow, it's ten games into the season that says that Boost Boudreau should like. Let's when are we going to hand the reins over to Boost Boudreau for yeah. this team? It's like Jesus fucking Christ, Sheldon keeps you know it's been less than a year that he's had behind the bench. Like, let's let's wait till you know we make it eighty two games before we're we're carving his tombstone. But yeah, um, I, yeah, I'm, I'm not one sorry, of those. I'm not one of those Leaf fans that has like a hard opinion on. I think Bruce Boudreau helps the staff. Bruce. I, I think Bruce Boudreau is a great coach in the league. Like I'm, I'm not one of those guys that's sitting here looking at it as like this big, clear cut, no doubt. Like let's go out and sign this guy because he's he's the best guy available on the market. It's just to me one of those like oh you know it would be nice kind of makes sense if it works out it works out. I, I could give a shit at the end of the day who the assistant coach is for the Toronto Maple Leafs despite me cheering for the team. So yeah yeah. I, I, the only thing was when this first came up was it had nothing to do with confirmed interest on either side. It was all these rumors of, well, Bruce Boudreaux is a freaking Leafs fan. He wants to, wants to be near the Leafs. Like, doesn't that sound great? And everyone's like, yeah, he wants to come to Toronto. Isn't that great? And it's like, yeah, it's really, really good that he was a really good head coach for a long time. He hasn't been an assistant coach in over 10 years. Mm Mm-hmm different role yeah this is a completely different role yeah definitely yeah uh, we'll have to see like i said i don't know if there is a head coaching job for boost boudreau for next year but if there is i'm sure he's going to want to take that uh over any assistant job that that may come come his way but uh you know eventually there's just you know, as, as like Paul McLean, for example, found out, like eventually there just isn't a spot for you. Uh, you know, Mike Yo, uh, Dave Haxtell, eventually they just like these spots don't exist and you got to take what you can yeah, get. Yeah, and I mean so. like, again, look at Lind- Lindy Ruff, right? Like Lindy sure. Ruff was not a head Mark coach Crawford. for years and now yeah. he, now he's back. And yeah. and yeah, and Mark Crawford settled into his role as an assistant. It happens all the time. But I'm just saying, is Bruce Boudreaux that guy. necessarily a guy that can make that transition? Right. Don't just assume that is all I'm saying. Yeah. Um, Mike Milbury back in the news. Uh, as he uh, seems to we do were doing so good here. Every no, uh, I was like, well, we were having we, fun. Every ten years, we talked about so, Batman he's, and he's got like a fucking outrageous Andrew Brewer controversy on his hands or in his hands. Uh, for those fans that remembered his actions of the nineteen seventies, mm. um, nice. <laughs> mm, yeah. yeah, baby. There, uh. it there it is. Yeah. Um, is it is it wrong that that's not even the incident that I associate Mike Bil- Milbury with? It's more the uh, but it, it's more the him being buddies with John Spano, the guy who had fucking less money in his checking account than I fucking have. Like and we, tried by we can have like an entire months. top ten of bad Mike, Mike Milbury moments in the Ooh, NHL. Speaking of this week's top ten, but man. like. <laughs> Like, isn't it weird how, like, Mike Milbury's... Overrated, underrated, favorite, least favorite Mike Milbury trades. Mm. Trades. Mmm. Fuck yeah. Mm. Isn't it weird, though, how, like, Mike Milbury's fourth most notorious moment in the game of hockey is, like, a top three black mark on the sport in terms of him beating literally one of the sports fans... With his own shoe right, folks, during math, a game. Man, that math didn't make a lot of sense. That's in the, the stands. Yeah. On television. That's right. Fire this fucking guy. Let's go. Isn't what are we like, talking about? Isn't, on it the next just, thing. isn't it just weird that like... Okay. So, feel free to throw in a name if I'm forgetting it. 
Okay. Okay. But there are currently three former ex-NHL or assistant, like general manager or assistant general managers, that are working almost every day on national television. Pierre Maguire, Brian Burke, Mike Milbury. Brian Burke, I don't care what anyone says, one of the best trading general managers ever. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Like, easily top three, I would say. Well, five. Pierre Maguire, whatever. He's been on the air for 20 fucking years and knows his shit about Junior and all this stuff. Really good in his early days as an analyst doing, like, uh, World Junior shit and just maybe got, like, maybe they rose him a little too high and that's yeah. fine. But he's yeah, still, yeah. generally speaking, I'm fine with Pierre Maguire. And then you got freaking uh, Mike Milbury, who, in my opinion, is maybe, like, is one of the three worst general managers of the last 30 years. He's top three for me. The only name I can think of right offhand that I think is worse for sure might have been Paul Fenton, but he also traded for Kevin Fiala. So it's like, well, maybe it wasn't that bad. Like, that was a good trade, actually. Sure. Yeah. I take Fiala yeah. over Granlin any fucking day of the week, twice on Sunday. Mike, Mike Miller is the worst gym that I can think of when I, yeah. like, in my time of watching like, hockey. Like, because, like, like, everyone wants to say John Ferguson Jr., and don't get me wrong, he was pretty bad. Yeah, it's up there. But also, like, Leeds ownership was kind of fucking had their hands in the hands in the pot a little too much there. And like, I'm not gonna blame him for everything. It's the same thing with like Pierre Dorian in Ottawa. It's like, how do you fuck this up? It's like, well, did you see the guy who signs his checks and is in every fucking Skype meeting that he's on, just like poking him from out of the fucking view of the camera? Like, that's not good. You ever seen an owner uh, interview a, a player for a promotion? Uh, I've seen it <laughs> once. Yeah. Fucking Pierre Dorian works for the freaking Crip Keeper, man. Like, what's he going to do? Yeah. Um, so so I just think it's funny that Mike Milbury's been on television for 13 years as now. As, like, some just sort of you know, expert. As an expert. Yeah. And this guy, this guy literally uh, was the coach and general manager of the team during the time when they had an owner who had $3,500 to his fucking name. And was buddies with him. That's no, fucked. No, he's he's this guy's fucked. He's GM'd more games than I have, so I'm I will sit here and die on this hill. I could have done a better job in 1996 than he could have, as a fucking three year old. I could have hit the buttons better. I would have figured it out. Well, you saw that video of the four year old hitting the hole in one, right? Like that would have been you oh, as a GM. God. So that's yeah, same comparison. Yeah, uh, Mike Milbury drafted in, Brian Burrard, but didn't do much case else about no that. No one is up to speed with what we're talking oh, about. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we he, do that uh, sometimes. And sometimes we never give context. We've got to give he, some context. He comes right? out and he says, uh, he's raving about the bubble. The the commentary team on NBC, I can't remember what fucking game it was now. It was, must have been like Islanders, Washington game, game five or six, I guess. And he starts, they're, they're talking about how good the bubble's been. There's no COVID cases. And Mike Milbury chooses this moment to chime in with the, uh, yeah, it's worked really good. And there's no women around to distract them either. Now, I think we all know what he was getting at. Yeah, no, I, I quote. Like, don't get me wrong. I don't think he actually meant it the way that he said it. But that's also what we said about Don Cherry. Like, yeah. like, like yeah. Don Cherry didn't really mean it that way. You that's people beside the point. that think like that's Mike Milbury. Besides the point, Mike Milbury. This is the, and this is the thing. He said shit last week. We didn't even get time to talk about on the podcast. Like it, it's been like a week of just 
fucking insane stuff. He he. Here's the thing people forget because I'm gonna compliment Mike Milbury here quickly. It's the only compliment I'll give him. He looks really good for his age. Mike Milbury's Does he? 68 years old. He's he's really old. He probably doesn't need to be on television anymore. Yeah, I know he's 68. Like, I thought he was like fucking like, like it makes sense when you when you do the math. Well, I was gonna say like, but it's like he looks like he's like of him as like he a looks, 70s he's looked, player. Like I'll say that he's looked like he's been 55 since like 2000. I don't know about that. Which is which is mint because like he was 55 in 2000, but he was also 34 in 1996, right? So he does look good, but. He he doesn't think well anymore. the The brain does not match the the beauty anymore. No, the uh, the engine can't keep up with the the tires, if you will. Um, oh God, he's horrible. He's so bad. Not good. He's so bad. Like I I I I may have said something otherwise. Please correct me if I'm wrong. I could be forgetting. I don't know that I've ever actually hated an analyst to that degree, other than maybe Glenn Healy. But at least Glenn Healy didn't say like racist shit. Or, like, you know what I mean? Bigot, bit. Well, I, I don't know if Mike Mulberry, Bob Mulberry said anything racist, but, like, doesn't say anything that makes him seem like he's 200 years old, is what I'm getting at. Yeah, like, like Mike, Mil- Mike Mulberry, like, says things that make him sound like he's 200 years old. And at least Glenn Healy just, like, you know, picked on the Leafs because he was mad at, at, you know, having to let in eight goals one night against Atlanta. Boo fucking who. You know, I'm just saying. I don't really get why... Yeah, it happened. I don't really get why Mike Milbury has been on TV as long as he has been. Has gotten hired by several different networks at different times. And is still on TV in 2020. But it, but it's, it's, it's... Look, everyone can say what they want about fucking cancel culture, okay? Like, sometimes people go a little overboard and request things that they really shouldn't be requesting. And it's like, you know, pick your battles sometimes, right? Okay? But... You know, Don Cherry needed to be let go. Jeremy Roenick, hundred percent, needed to be let go for what happened there. That was incredibly inappropriate. Yeah. yeah. And now Mike Milbury, like this, is a network that constantly, maybe they mean it, maybe they don't. Like maybe it's genuine, maybe it's not. Always try this to push, like trying to make women more included in their broadcasts. Right? They gave AJ Mazalko a, a, a studio analyst job. Don't know why we don't see her fucking more often. She should be doing games more often. Uh, you know what I mean? They tried to make Kendall Coyne, like, give her the shot. Like, you know, like, Catherine Tapp and host. Like, they've, they've, maybe it's, maybe it's just for optics, and maybe it's all just a show, but they seem to try to give women, like, a leading role in their broadcast sometimes, and then you've got a guy out there saying shit like that. And it's just like, it doesn't matter how he meant it, he said what he said, he said it that way, he yeah. said it in the middle of a broadcast <clears throat> very casually, yeah. and... And it like it just can't it just can't happen like it just can't happen. No, it, well, it can't. Like this is your national this, broadcast. Like what he said is is probably worse than what got Don Cherry fired. I'm not saying that Don Cherry hasn't said worse things because he has, but the final straw in the Don Cherry saga, I think, at least in in terms of how it came across live on air wasn't as bad as what Mike Milbury just said. The meaning behind it was maybe a little bit more deep. My memory's shot. I don't remember what Don Cherry said. I uh, just said you people that want to come to our country and not wear the poppy and, and all this stuff. Oh. Like, yeah, well, eh. what he was talking Whatever. about wasn't great. 
How we said it wasn't we don't need much to, better. We don't need to compare horrible things. But you know what I mean? Like, what, all I'm saying is I'm sitting here saying that like Mike, Mike Domery said something worse. And we're not still entirely sure that he won't be back next season as an analyst. NBC has not confirmed, but he's definitely been, I think, what did they say? Suspended indefinitely? He's not doing the rest of the playoffs this year. Okay. So. That was their, I think, that 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 might have been their way of Bruce Petersing this, where they're just trying to put their ducks in a row before they say they fired him, so that way he doesn't sue them. Sure. Or can't sue them. Sure. You know what I mean? It's, um, it's, with Don Sherry, it was a very, so I'm not, within three days, hey, you're fired. Yeah. It's not, you're coming, not coming back this year. Well. You're done. Don, what Don Cherry said, def, it, it just it would have read bad in court. Like, there was just no way around, like, him being able to defend what he said. Like, there just isn't another argument. You you literally said what you said in it, and it comes across 100% racist. Again, Mike Milbury, like, we are all operating under the assumption, I kind of know what he meant. But you still can't say that. Like, exactly. even, even if that's what you meant, you still can't say it. However, he might be able to argue that, is all I'm saying. I don't think he would successfully, but, like, yeah. I think there, I think there's a lawyer who would take his case. <laughs> okay? <laughs> that's a very rich lawyer. Yeah, well, yeah. like, you know, we've all seen Gone Girl. It's, it's going to be fucking Tyler Perry taking the case, and he's not going to win. But I'm just saying... I I like I can't really defend what he said because no. even if he meant it the way that I think he meant it, it's still an inappropriate comment. Yeah. Like, just why even bring it up? Get the scaffold. You. you shouldn't be talking about like all these guys who are supposed to be role models, f- fucking doing whatever with all these women or whatever. Like, just don't imply that. Mm-hmm. There's no reason to bring that up on a broadcast. Yeah. And if you meant it the way that it sounded then it's a horrible thing to say that women shouldn't be around a fucking hockey rink because they 100% should. We should have more women involved in hockey because, uh, you know, I think women are smarter than men. So I kind of want them... I want more of them in the game. Like, I think that that would be great. Why, why, why wouldn't we want more people liking the game? Make it better for everyone. It'd even be great. To, even to discredit the women that are in the bubble. Like, there are reporters in there. There are people that are working 100%. within the bubble that are that are women that are doing a fantastic job. Caroline Cameron and doing the like the Deshaun McKenzie role before the game, like sure. the, the in-house broadcast. She was incredible. She's great. So you're you're now discrediting all the work that those women are doing inside the mm-hmm. bubble as well. Like mm-hmm. that in itself, and a lot is of women doing really like, good work. Oh, it's absolutely ridiculous. Got to get this fucking dinosaur out of here before he beats himself with his own shoe. Like we're we're headed down that path. I'd like to beat him with a shoe. Sure, I'll beat him with a shoe. There should be a booth. Send us your shoes uh, on the Laced Up podcast, and uh, we will uh, use them for a good cause. What's that fucking, what's the fair that everyone goes to in Minnesota? The state fair, or what's it called there? Yes, there is a state what, fair what in the state of Minnesota. What am I thinking of, though? Minnesota State Fair. Is that what John goes to every year, is yeah, the state fair? Isn't, doesn't have a name, like the no. Valley Fair or some shit like that? No, Valley Fair is an amusement My, park. That's a thing? Okay, yeah. I don't know. I don't, yeah. I don't do that stuff. But, like, there should be a booth at Valley Fair is what I'm saying. Like a pie thing. Yeah, yeah, shoe. exactly. Like yeah. a dunk tank, and shoe. you can throw a shoe, and if you hit the target, you dunk Mike Milbury into Is a Mike Milbury into a into a pool of of uh, fire and flames. Wow, <laughs> I don't like him. I want him fired. Bruce wants him killed. So that's that's good. Well, he could survive. Um, heading back in towards the uh, topic of NHL playoffs uh, oh, inside God. the puddle. Is that still happening? Uh, Brennan Gallagher. Did you say inside the puddle? Did I say the puddle? The bubble? Puddle? 
Bunnell? Bunnell? Yeah, Brennan Gallagher. Yeah. Brennan Gallagher gets a stick up high in the in the jibs. Yeah. Jibs, whatever they're they're called. Yeah. And um Teeth. and and ends his playoffs essentially. Well kind of he kind of ends his playoffs. He doesn't get to play the next game, but he was working pretty hard the rest of that game, but he got hurt. Um, Matt Niskanen gets the stick up high. He gets the suspension. Uh, it was two games. I thought, one game. I thought it was one. One but, game. But well, it was one know. game because it was one game left in the series. Is I think that's I was thinking of the rest of the series, but okay. in any case, um, he misses game six. The uh, Flyers win and they they move on to the next round. Your thought? Let's first let's focus on the hit itself. Let's take the, yeah. the characters out of the equation. It uh, doesn't matter who it is on the ice. Um, the hit was suspendable? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. Okay. One game? Well, I mean, it gets into that whole argument. Uh, but I, I will say in in two sentences or less that uh, under normal circumstances in a regular season, it would have been more than two, I think. Okay. Should it have been... More than two in the playoffs. Depends how you define right. Department of Player Safety, I guess. Which uh, I would think yes, but that's that's fine. Yeah, I get that. That's not how we operate. Right, right. I I, I thought it was a, a bit of a bang bang play. Uh, I'm not saying it was a, a clean play. Mm-hmm. Um, it was uh, it was tough. Like I'm not saying yeah. I'm not going to sit here and say that this is sure. a, this is a black and white one. The, the, this this was a tough one. This it, is it a guy that got a stick in the face and. Anytime that happens, it's gonna it's gonna draw a bit of well, controversy. Here, like, just because I think I think I know where you're going with this, so I, I just want to make my argument pretty quickly here. Is just that um, what happened was is Brennan Gallagher turned around and he got the stick into the mouth. Now he turned around at the worst possible second for that right. to happen. Right. There's no question about that. My issue though is that Matt Niskanen was still trying to go and cross check Brennan Gallagher in the back of the head. So I don't really care that he caught him in the mouth or the back of the head. No matter what, it was going to be a dirty hit. It was just the intent for me. To, to me, that was still dirty as fuck. Um, so regardless, I think he should have gotten multiple games if, if I'm running Department of Player Safety. But uh, I get that they can't just you know make up numbers and shit yeah. like that. So Yeah, it's, it's tough. Like, I think the way the... The base made it worse, but it was still, it I, was still I think, dirty. I think the physics of the game... Mm, I I don't I don't see Niskanen getting him in the back of the head. I I see uh, a play where you're depending on a certain level of momentum that this player is traveling in this direction, and I'm going to do this because I've done it every other game of my fucking career. Like look 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 how we saw Pierre Luc Dubois running around the, these playoffs and and the shoves that he was giving guys from the back. Like <clears> the <throat> result wasn't pretty, but we saw it what like five times from that guy alone, and and never once was it a penalty let alone in suspension. So I think there's like this badly unwritten rule in the game of hockey where if you push the guy in the numbers with your stick in the back, you're probably not going to get a penalty. Gallagher, uh, sorry, go ahead. Gallagher turns and he takes that force in the face because now you've changed your direction, you've changed your momentum, you're heading back into the force of contact that is Nitsch's stick coming towards you. And I think the optics of it just looks much worse than whatever was going to play out leading up to that hit. So sh- should he have gotten, uh, you know, some sort of punishment for, for the hit? I think yes. I think he should have been removed from that game. You, you, you've you been, you know, assessed a, a major. You missed game five, 
and that, that that should have been the end of it as far as I was concerned. You're back in the lineup for game six. But, oh, so that ha- right, that happened in game five. Uh, okay, so yeah, you're saying it shouldn't have been suspended. Um, so, so I mean, this, like, listen, every, everyone can see it differently. It doesn't, it doesn't really right, matter. Right. This is a rare one that I watched, I'm going to say, 50 times. I watched it over and over again because I couldn't really... I just wanted to make sure that I agreed with how I saw this because I knew we were going to talk about it. And I just watched it again now. His head, like, he doesn't change how he's standing. No matter what, he would have drilled him in the back of the head. Like, it's that, that part is indisputable. I just think that intent was, no matter what, he was, he was trying to hurt Brendan Gallagher. And um, you could even argue that if he would have got him in the back of the head, that that would have been worse. I'm not saying I am, but it's, it's hard to say what would have actually happened if he hit him in the back of the head. If he would have hit him harder going forward, but that's not what happened, right? He went in at the speed he went in at. So uh, I don't, I don't know. Like I just, no matter what, I see this as uh, he was, he was pissed about Gallagher cross-checking him, which should have been a penalty, and <laughs> uh, he got up and retaliated and wanted to hurt Brandon Gallagher. And I, I think he deserves to be suspended. Hmm. I'm not saying Matt Niskan is a terrible guy. I don't think he's ever. Is he like he can't be a repeat offender? Is he? I don't think I so. I can't imagine. Like I just was, was never he the guy that hit hit Crosby in the head with his stick when Crosby fell funny against that series with Washington. Ooh, was that Orpik? No, that might have been Niskanen. Yeah, did but one of the two of them. Weird. weird. Okay, yeah. but anyway, like regardless, like I just I didn't like it. I thought it was dirty. I don't like Brandon Gallagher at all, but I, I he definitely didn't deserve that either. Sure. So. Uh, then we get the comments after the game. Alan Vigneault comes out, he makes a statement about Gallagher and his mouth that didn't stop moving the rest of the game and how he couldn't be that hurt, uh, despite clearly bleeding from the mouth. A um, little bit of pushback from the Montreal side of things. The next day, Gallagher is announced he's got a broken jaw. He'll be out for the rest of the series, which in turn ends up being just the one game. Um, this, of course, ties into the comments that were made many, many years ago <laughs> from Brendan Gallagher making yeah. the same type of comment. And Alan Vigneault was the coach of the Rangers, and and now there's this was like was the video just making the comments because it was Gallagher or I, I thought the whole thing was fucking hilarious. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't want to make light of what happened to Brendan Gallagher, but I will. But like, you know, <laughs> for some of our younger listeners, like to you and I. 2014 isn't that long ago. Like, I remember yeah. the 2014 playoffs very well. I remember the incident very well. Um, and I'm... I am 100% sure that Elaine Vigneault was taking a jab at Brennan Gallagher there. 100%. There is no way that Elaine Vigneault forgets about Brennan Gallagher injuring what... And I realize this sounds ridiculous because it's 2020. A very like a competent number one center for the New York Rangers at the time in, in Derek Stepan. Like a good, he was a good player back then. There's no way he fucking forgot about that. There's yeah. no fucking no. way. No. <laughs> he remembers 100% what happened. Yeah. That was a jab. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I love it. I love it. I would have said the exact same thing if I were him. I think it's, I think it's, I love Elaine Vigneault. I fucking love that man so much. He's awesome. Now, I would have done the same thing. Going back to the play itself, because I can't I can't remember when the suspension came. Did we get the news that Gallagher had the broken jaw, and then the suspension, or was it the other way around? Say that again. Did we, did we get the news about the jaw being broken first, and then the suspension, or the other way around? 
no, the jaw broken first, I believe. Okay. I think. Do you, I've been working a lot. Do so. you think that if that was the case, which I, I think it is, okay. you, you seem to agree with me, do you think that there's any effect that this guy having a broken jaw played into the decision to suspend Matt Niskanen? Or do you have to take that completely out of the equation? No, I, 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 I think, I again, it sort of goes back to what I was saying. I do think that that was enough to suspend him. The hit alone. The hit alone. Without the broken. Yeah. Sure, okay. Yeah. Okay. Because again, I, I still think he was going to try to hit him in the back of the head. And whether or not this would have been physics or a dive or whatever... Uh, like whether or not it would have injured him. I think if he would have hit him in the back of the head the same way that he hit him in the front of the head, I think Brennan Gallagher would have gone headfirst into the boards, maybe not gotten as hurt, maybe gotten hurt worse. Um, so I, I still think it was... Okay, because I've, was I've seen the argument that says, like, Brennan Gallagher breaks the jaw, and now we're back into this conversation about, like, oh, Niskanen should miss just as much time as, as, as he did because he's got a broken jaw and all this. And... This was an injury that I have a big problem. I, I don't love that argument to begin with, the idea that a guy should miss as much time as whoever it is that he hurt. There, there, that's a shitty argument. There's, there's a, it's, there's, it's flawed for a couple reasons. Uh, you know, maybe the, maybe the nature behind it is, is well intended, but it, it just it wouldn't make sense. No, like logically speaking, of course it makes sense, but right. it's like it's too flawed to actually. Work. It's just. It's going to change the yeah. game in a weird way. And it's and the sense. worst part about this, and, and this is where I, I kind of had to bite my tongue a couple times, was Brennan Gallagher broke his jaw mm-hmm. on, a, on a dirty play. Uh, okay, whether I think it's as dirty as you do, regardless, we both agree it wasn't a good play. Um, it was penal, like it should have been penalized in some manner, suspension, penalty, whatever it was. But... Am I supposed to sit here and feel bad for Brennan Gallagher or any hockey no. player that breaks <laughs> no. that breaks their jaw no. when the opportunity to wear protective equipment exists that would have prevented that? Yeah, I mean, but who's going to be the first guy to go and wear a fishbowl? I don't give a shit. Right? Just don't don't bitch about it. Don't use that as your crucifix or your your, your crutch. Sorry that this this is this terrible thing that this guy's jaw is broken. This player mangled this guy he broke his fucking jaw like you know he's out for the rest of the fucking year fucking like wear a fucking cage if, if it's going to be that big an issue like it clearly wasn't but you shouldn't have guys running around looking to cross check you right like you should if you, if you but don't make that the hill you die on as the victim that woe is me my jaw got broken well your jaw could have got broken for many reasons oh I no I see what you're saying I okay yeah I, I don't necessarily agree with the way you're wording it, but I see what you're saying. It just seemed weird to me that we were going to like make this big deal about the 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 injury itself. Well, the hit is one thing. Like mm-hmm. we agree, the hit is dirty. The injury caused so much backlash about you know, oh, he's tripping on the bench and he's and then oh, but he's hurt and well, you know, you, you know, like the amount of times I saw the thing go back and forth in front of me, and all I could help, like I just sat there thinking the whole time, like. Like if if you're gonna complain, like Gallagher or not, like Habs fans, like if you're gonna fucking complain this much, just like tell the guy to put a fucking cage on, and then we don't have to worry about this. Like move forward. Brendan Gallagher can still play in your very important game six that ended up being the last game of the season for you guys. Like, yeah, uh, I'm not sitting here saying that it's you know 
going to happen overnight and the whole league is in turn and decide to do it. But it seems really stupid to me that like, if, uh, uh, you know, if, if a football player decided I'm not going to wear a fucking shoulder pads and then goes out and breaks his shoulder, well, maybe you should have wore shoulder pads. Like you kind of knew how the sport works and the risk is there and I'm not going to feel bad for you. But the, the whole fan base, of the Montreal Canadiens wants the rest of the world to feel bad for Brennan Gallagher because his jaw got broke. Yeah, I mean, like whatever. I mean, I, like I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and say that uh, Brendan Gallagher is an incredibly dirty player, but he's definitely hurt guys uh, playing his style of, of hockey. Mm-hmm. Um, he's actually a pretty good pass for the most part. Like he really hasn't done yeah. anything super fucked up to no, be honest for sure. with you. So um, I will say that about him. But <clears throat> yeah, I, I, I get it. I mean, I don't know. I, I don't. I don't. I don't. I can't really remember like. Like, I don't know. Like, I've had concussions and stuff like that, and I've never gone and blamed the other guy necessarily, uh, even when it was, like, a clearly targeted head, like, you know what I mean, a headshot or something like that. I, I just, yeah, I don't really agree with the woe is me approach either. I don't, I mean, you, you choose to play hockey for, for a living, and you get yeah. paid, you know, maybe maybe he's underpaid. It depends how you see Brennan Gallagher, but, um, you know, you're still making a good amount of money. You're making more money in a year than I'm probably ever going to make in my lifetime. So... Yeah, I don't, I don't really agree with bitching about it either, but um, whatever. I mean, you know, it shouldn't have happened, and, and that's the way I see it anyway. Anyway. Uh, the Montreal Canadiens, of course, lose uh, to the Philadelphia Flyers in that play-in round. Uh, the Flyers move on to the what is now uh, the second round of the playoffs, and uh, they're taking on the New York Islanders in the first round. Game one uh, went last night. We were... Uh, had it on in the background uh, the earlier part of the podcast. Islanders jump out to a one nothing series lead on the back of a 4 nothing game. Um, Simeon Varlamov with a shutout. Really controlled the, the flow of the game all night long. Um, obviously, uh, it's, it's a little more difficult to give a, a preview for a series that is one game deep, but mm-hmm. do, do you see the Flyers bouncing back from this? Is this a, a yeah. big, big fucking red flag in terms of, of maybe how this series is going to go against the Islanders? I mean, call call me stupid, because I, I said in the last round that I, uh, that I would never bet against the Islanders ever again until they lose again. Um, but I'm, I'm taking the, the Flyers... And I'm gonna take them in. Uh, I'm gonna take them in. Ooh, I'm gonna take them in six because I I think if it goes seven, I think the Islanders win the game because uh, they're just kind of built to win a game seven. So I'm gonna go uh, Flyers in six because unlike the Capitals, I refuse to see how it's possible that the Islanders could uh, beat the Flyers four times out of seven. So. I got Islanders in five. Sure. I mean, the Islanders are rolling. There. Like I just, I just don't, I don't think. I you you could you could see the Islanders in four, and it's like it's not really an indictment to the to the Flyers at this point. It's just the Islanders look so. I don't know. They just look the same every night. Like they don't look bad any night. They haven't had like an egg yet. The difference for me is that the Flyers, uh, when they have looked bad in these playoffs, responded quite well. So I think they are going to maybe shit kick the Islanders here in game two, but it's hard to say. I, I will take the Flyers in six. Yeah, it's tough to say, for sure. I don't and, feel and, good about and it. And don't get me wrong, there isn't a team left standing that I want to 
much win less than the New York Islanders. That that is the last team I want to see win uh, out of the uh, eight standing. But uh, I, I think they have the Flyers. Like that that was a very convincing win. Uh, they've got the edge. They've taken away what you want to call home ice advantage, and Barry Trotz is going to have. Uh, at least what three opportunities as as the last change coach to you know make the series go his way. So um, I, I like them for the rest of the series, and I'll be surprised if the Flyers can. I, I shouldn't say surprised. Like yeah. I think it's going to take a it's bit. Easy I, there. I think it's going to take more than okay. people assume for the Flyers to get back on track here, Fair especially with a young goalie uh, in that. Uh, so we'll we'll see. I, I want Flyers to win. I think it's the Islanders in five. Uh, in the other series, we've got the Lightning at the two-seed taking on the Bruins in the four-seed. Mm. Uh, the uh, Atlantic Division finals that we all kind of assumed were coming mm. uh, at the beginning of the year. Um, just took a took a round longer to get there. Uh, Bruins win game one, three to two over the Tampa Bay Lightning. Game two goes tonight, uh, seven o'clock. Um, is this going anything less than seven? I think it's seven. I'm going to... Uh... Yeah, yeah, take Bruins and six. Bruins and six, eh? That's the first time I've ever taken them to win a playoff series, I think. Oh, no. They're a good hockey team. Like, we're going to sit here and nah, be sad nah. about it. Like, Fuck them. They're, they're terrible. I, th- I think this is a team that's kind of almost built to beat Tampa Bay in a way. Like, um, Yeah. I mean, like, that's the funny thing. Like, I always talk about how good Tampa is. It's like it's also like I could just see them losing to anybody as well, though. I don't I don't really. They're weird. Um, yeah, the Bruins are, the Bruins are good. I, the problem is, is like, the problem when we talk about the Bruins is I can't really assess the Bruins because they are the only team in the league that I just flat out fucking refuse to watch other than when they play Toronto. I turned that game on and Pasternak scored and I felt blind rage for about two minutes and I couldn't watch the game. I had to turn it off. Couldn't do it. I can't watch them. I hate them. I just, they're the only team I will, I just straight up hate. And it's almost not even because I'm a Leaf fan. I just, I fucking hate them. I don't get it. I don't like them. I don't I'm like gonna, anyone. I'm going to take Tampa in seven just so I can say I watched a blue and white team beat the Bruins in That's game right. seven. There it is. Uh, the Western Conference, we got the one seed Golden Knights uh, who put up five against the fifth seeded Canucks in a 5 nothing win in game one on Sunday night. Uh, game two also going tonight, late game, 945. You can catch that one. Mm-hmm. Um Jesus Christ! This this series might be over in three. Never mind. Never mind four. Oh fuck! They, the Vegas Golden Knights and I've oh, loved. Fuck. I've loved the Vancouver Canucks so far. Oh fuck! Don't get me wrong. I've watched a lot of that Vancouver team late at night. Oh fuck! They surprised me against St. Louis. They looked really good. This Vegas team is fucking rolling right now. It's not even for me that like I doubt the Canucks, nor do I like. It's just like, yeah, they, okay, I'm not even saying that they don't come back in this series. I cannot remember the last time I saw a playoff game just begin and end with a team so aggressively in control of the game as the, as the Golden Knights. Everything. They did everything well. It was just like nonstop chirps. Ryan Reeves was the star of the show somehow in a game where the fucking Golden Knights scored five goals and he didn't get any of them. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, you're not wrong. Like, it, it, was... It, was, it was crazy. Like, they, like... They're making chicken noises on the bench every time. <laughs> it's like Ryan Reeves is waving at Roussel. I actually like Ryan Reeves, but I oh man, I 
it just, it reminded me of, like, playing those games where you just are, from the moment the puck drops, you were more prepared than they were. And that's what it looked like. I'm not, um, I'm not going to count the, the Canucks out, necessarily. I, I'm, I'm going to say Golden Knights in six. Um, I'm mostly going to say that because I actually am not as uh, crazy about the Canucks as other people are. But I do... I just, for some reason, they just keep winning. And the the thing for me with Vancouver is I really think that the, that team lives and dies by how good Bo Horvat's playing. Um, because they have a lot of stars that just sort of disappear. And uh, if Bo Horvat's on his game, then, then that's another conversation. But um, if he's playing just as their second line, like, he kind of needs to be their star right now because... Patterson's not really, um, yeah, he's just not really built for this at the moment against uh, Vegas. Well, I don't think, and he, you know, you, you say that, and I agree, but he looked really good against St. Louis. Like Elias Patterson showed up in that series. Mm-hmm. He he had a good series against a very tested uh, St. Louis team. Now, um, and 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 I'm not going to sit here and say that St. Louis sucks either, but you know how high I am on Vegas, and I just I just think this is a completely Oh, like, definitely. Like, obviously sure. they play different styles, sure. but, like, also, I just think Vegas is so much better than St. Louis. There's def- there's a, a high skill separation between the two teams. I, when I Whenever I hear the argument that Elias Pettersson isn't built for, you know, the postseason, it's, it's because he's not supposed to win against teams like St. Louis that are going to send out big bruising forwards, shift after shift, and, and pound you into the boards. That's just not Vegas, though. Like, aside from Ryan Reeves, who does it probably better than any any forward in the league, like, this is a skill team. This is, Like, you don't have to worry about William Carlson, like, putting you on your, on your kind, ass. You don't have to worry kind, about kind Max Pacioretty. Like, like, they're not, but they're not, they're not, okay, so St. Louis is defensive in the sense that they're physical more so than they are just, like, smart. Sure. Vegas, I think, is actually, like, maybe the best defensive team in the league because right. they're smarter than you are. Sure. Too. So, like... I, I understand why Pedersen would dominate against a, all due respect, slower team like St. Louis. Whereas with Vegas, like, Vegas is faster than Vancouver is. And Vancouver's highest quality is their speed. Like, I just think, like, just top to bottom, um, Vegas is better in, in every sense. Other than Bo Horvat, it just sort of has a knack for just taking over a game. I don't really know how to quantify that. Uh, and also, like, the best defenseman in the series is on Vancouver. Yeah. Uh, well, Shea Theodore, I guess. But um, the best offensive defenseman in the series is on Vancouver. If Quinn Hughes is, is on his game, yeah, it, it could be trouble. But um, this he's, one he's might, quite young. This too. one might come down to goaltending, honestly. Like, we, we saw it in Game 1. Like, like Leonard, it, it's not like they shut them out 5 nothing, and the shots were 52-18. to 18. Like they, both teams had over thirty shots. Yeah, it was it was pretty well debated. Uh, if if Vancouver finds a crack in Robin Leonard, I could see Jacob yeah. Markstrom shutting on us. You know what I mean? Like th- this could go back and forth if the goalies are the ones having. It's, the not, it's not like Vancouver sucks. Like no, Vancouver is they're a not good a. They're I'm not, not as crazy about loss. them as like they're not that bad. Probably they, not. Right? No, like I mean, it takes a lot for a team to get shit kicked twice mm-hmm. in one series, right? Uh, you hear about that, Coyotes fans? Um, so I, I don't really know that it's going to happen again, but, um, I, I will just, I'm going to word it this way specifically. 
I don't think Vancouver is built to beat Vegas. I'm gonna. I take, think they'll win uh, some games, though. I, 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 I'm taking Vegas in six. I'm gonna take Vegas in five, but we're gonna get two overtime games out of those five, cool. which means we're getting two out of the next four. So nice, fucking 50%. William William Carrier and fucking Antoine Roussel with the winners. Sounds about right, doesn't it? <laughs> sure. Yeah. Uh, uh, that what's, what's William Carrier getting out there in overtime? For? Brings us to the uh, final uh, of the second round series. We've got the Dallas Stars at three going up against the Colorado Avalanche at the two seed. Dallas takes game one, five uh, three. Really fun game uh, on Saturday night. Currently, uh, as we record, they are in uh, the dying minutes of uh, the first period in game two, with the Avalanche up one nothing and apparently a five minute major. That is being served as we speak. So I don't know who killed who, but uh, it's not looking good hmm. um, for the Dallas Stars in Game Two as we speak. I'm sure they're going to come back and win it, just to make me sound like a dumbass. Um, yeah, uh, have fun predicting this one, buddy, because uh, by the end of the uh, uh, the evening, uh, we'll we'll know who have won, but we probably won't have it recorded. So tread carefully here. Is this a is this a one one series or a two zero series? Uh, by the time we, we post this. I mean, okay, I don't... I like Dallas. I I actually... Dallas is kind of like my sneaky... Like, I'm kind of hopping on their bandwagon in a way. Um, I like everyone on the team. But I... I, I love Rick Bonus. And I, I don't really know how to explain that. Like, I just... I think he's mint. Um, I... I kind of want... I like I'm I'm cheering for Colorado, but I will not complain if Dallas wins this series. The problem is, is like I don't really know what to make of Dallas because um, everything that we think they are, they they will seem to prove that they're not that, and then like their identity just sort of changes all the time. And when I watch them, I just don't really know what to make of them. Like one night they're a high flying offense team, one night they're trying to trap you out. Uh, one night they're relying on goaltending, the other night they, it doesn't matter who's in net. Like, it's just, it's kind of weird. But for me, the difference is going to be, I I don't particularly love Colorado's goaltending, but I think Colorado's the better team, and I think they're going to find a way to get to Hudobin. So I am taking Colorado because I do really, I really think they're an exceptional hockey team. Um, I am going to take Colorado in six. But there is there's something in the water with Dallas. I'll say that much. I wouldn't be shocked if they find a way to do it because they've just they just seem relentless to me. They're one team that I kind of like. They're they're kind of like the Islanders. It's just like if they win, I, I get it. But I on paper, Colorado should win this series. I I'll, I'll take the Abs in six. Colorado should for sure. Uh, Grubauer and Johnson both not playing tonight for the Abs. We're not too sure. How long uh, they'll be out for, um, and then on the flip side, like you talked about Kudobin, like I, I think there's a non-zero percent chance we don't see Ben Bishop at some point. A non? Oh, okay, I see what you're saying. You know what I mean? Like he yeah. he, he could show up game five, game six. Like fuck, like freaking freaking uh, Vince McMahon showing yeah. up at uh, he's, WWE. He spent that long working away at a goalie like Kudobin, only for a completely different beast in in Ben Bishop, like. Like, Kudobin's good. Like, I think he's a really good goaltender, but they're very different goaltenders oh God, yeah, in their styles. So, it's like, sort of funny that they're a tandem 
and they put up the numbers they do, and it might be because teams don't know how to prep one night to the next. But like, they are they are almost polar opposite goal exactly. tenders. Like the only thing is like at least Hudobin is like somewhat technical. But if he like if he were a little more Tim Thomasy and just flopped around, they would be the most opposite yeah. goalies ever. Assuming he's healthy, because you'd hate to see them rush uh, Bishop back if he's hurt. But like, assuming he's healthy and good to go, like I, I wouldn't be surprised if we saw like almost like a, a Yaroslav Halak situation, back, you know, circa twenty ten, where teams down and out, you're losing the series three games to one. Let's throw in this the backup because you know the starter wasn't getting it done. Yeah. And then shuts the door the rest of yeah. the way. Like I, Ben Bishop could do that handedly, and it wouldn't be a surprise. So yeah, we. I mean, like, have you have you actually seen an update on Ben Bishop? Because I don't know no. what's going on there. No, nothing. Remains sideline Monday. Yeah, it's still yeah. Jake Ottinger on the net. But it, and it's so. been that the entire time since game two of the play of, of the round robin. Maybe they're just playing game. Like maybe Rick Bonus has no intentions of ever pulling his starter. So it's just like, yeah, we'll just make them yeah, think Jake, Bishop's hurt. Yeah, Jake, you can sit in, eh? on the bench with the boys. Oh, so. yeah, he's like 20 years old. You may as well sit there. You can have a chew. You're not going to the net. Fucking have your phone there. I don't maybe, care. Maybe Jake opens doors really well. You know, that's that's his special skill. I like to think that Jake Ott- Ottinger's sitting there with a chew in his mouth, like fucking texting on his phone like he's fucking Trevor Green circa 2009. Well, you want to have a have chew? to bleep that out. You want to have a chew? Mm-hmm. Let's have a chew. Um, okay, uh, I think that's it for the like catching up and previews of the second round. Wow. Unless you have anything that that got missed that no, we didn't talk about there. No, um, I just wanted to say one thing quickly. Uh, it's not really like I want to have a, a debate about it. I just want to put this out there. I, I, I this week I sort of felt a little bit bad for um, some of the players that or some of the people that are in the bubble. I just I don't um, I don't really like this notion that. Um, Guys can say something like maybe they're having a bit of a difficult time in the bubble away from their families and stuff like that. And everyone's uh, saying that they're, they're you know, that they're crying and stuff like that. I, I, I just, I don't really agree with that take. I, I think that um, everybody's different and everyone kind of lives their life in a different way and it responds to experiences differently. And I'm sure there are a lot of guys right now that are in the bubble that are really enjoying it and having a good time. And I'm sure there's a lot of guys there that are, that are having a difficult time and um, sort of just stems from the... Going back to Rick Bonus comments that he made this week about how, you know, they they won their series, and everyone was kind of asking about bubble life, and it was ordinarily supposed to be a very happy night for Rick Bonus, and um, he just kind of said like that essentially he's having a bit of a difficult time, and and you know that it's not uh, it's not everything that it's cracked up to be, and you know other guys have made jokes about it since then, and, and that's okay, but. Um, I thought there was a lot. There was a large reaction to people calling Rick Bonus, um, you know, just selfish and things like that. And um, I, I, I would like to point out that Rick Bonus lost, you know, one of his closest friends in Dale Howard Chuck last week. And um, the idea that he sort of had to go through that experience alone is is kind of tough. So um, I, I would just like to mention to everyone here that. Uh, if you're on social media or you're having conversations with friends, I, I would maybe just keep in mind some situations that you've been in your, in your life and, and maybe not go so far in judging um, how other people are, are reacting and living their lives, I guess. Well said. Mm-hmm. Um, we do have a top ten. Ah. Before we get there, I'm, I'm going to take, take a few short minutes here and we're going to play another round Trip of... Trip around the bay. Uh, excursion around the bay. Is that what it is? Wasn't Ex- it called something different? Last excursion week? around the bay, the uh, great big sea song. Excursion around the bay. Mm. 
Um, I've got uh, the remaining uh, members of the, uh, let's call it the, the 50 greatest players from Thunder Bay. And we did three last week. We got Matt Murray, Wayne Stevenson, and Ryan Johnson out of the way. I'm going to hit randomize again, and we're going to see um, what Brutes can do mm-hmm. uh, when I give him the uh, date of birth, draft position, and all transactions that took place in one of these players' careers okay. uh, that are from Thunder Bay. Are you ready, sir? Yeah. All right. Let's take a look and see who we get. Am I just doing one? Let's let's do two. Okay. We'll do two. A little shorter than the last I, what time. What if I get one right and one wrong? Uh, if that's the case, we'll go to the tiebreaker. All right. uh, this is a tough one. Uh, All right. I'll, so I'll be up front with you. 0 for 2. Uh, this player was born April 24th, 1923, oh. in Fort William, Ontario, oh. and died Canada Day of 05 at the age of 82. Um, oh. The transactions that we have in front of us, uh, November 2nd, 1947, he was traded to Chicago by Toronto with Bud Poyle, Gay Stewart, Ernie <laughs> Dickens, and Bob Goldham. That's fucked. For Max Bentley. Those names are fucked. For Max Bentley and Cy Thomas. That's 1947. Traded like, it's just like, I didn't think names changed that aggressively, I guess, over time. But I guess they do. Well, think of my mother. Have you have you heard of anyone with my mother's yeah. name since When was the last time the you 80s? met a Myrtle? <laughs> have you had a forever met a Myrtle? <laughs> never met a Myrtle. <laughs> there you go. There it is. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, traded to Chicago by Toronto in 47. And then on February 16th, 1954, was traded to Boston by Chicago for Jerry Topanzini. Um, and while I don't have a date of retirement, this player's last season came in 1955 at the age of 31. Do you have a Thunder Bay player in mind? Sorry, did you give me... Well, I guess there's no draft position. No draft back in those days. Do no. I get Do I get any detail about when he entered the he, league? He, he began in 1944. He was oh, one of those guys fuck. that showed up during the war That's as a 20-year-old. That's not good. I thought it was Leo Boyvin. Um, fuck. Yeah, this is this is a well-known player. He had over 600 career games, almost 400 career points. We're not talking about a, a 20-game stud that showed up. He also won a Calder Trophy and two Stanley Cups in, in his career. This is actually the only Toronto Maple Leaf to win the Calder Trophy. This is a Toronto Maple Leaf. He's from Thunder Bay. Yes, sir. Jack Adams was uh, probably dead by then, so I think that's uh, I think that's out. Uh, oh. Hmm. Fuck. I wanna. I don't know why I feel like it's that freaking freaking. Oh no! But if he was born in Fort William, I was thinking that uh, fucking Swedish guy that ended up dying here, but wasn't from here. But you know what I'm talking about? That fucking Gus Forslund or whatever the first Swedish guy. Oh up, yeah. Well, up yeah, yeah. Here, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, no, he technically his birthplace would not be North America. God, I fucking well-known player. You got to be kidding! It's it, I feel like it's got to be someone that I don't even knows from Thunder Bay. Or it something. might be. Like I don't. Honestly, it might be. Like a, a Toronto Maple Leaf who won the Calder Trophy, the only, and won two Stanley Cups. You said two was Stanley the Cups. other stat I got. Oh fuck! Both with Toronto. I don't know who's the grandfather Pyatt. Um, well, I guess it could be Nelson Pyatt. Could be that old, I guess. Would he? No, he wouldn't be that old. That would have meant that he had children when he was like fifty-five years old. Um, hmm. 
Is there a Carlson Pyatt? God, I don't, I don't know. Like, is there an Elder Latowski? I don't even, I don't even know. I don't even know where to go with this. <laughs> Ernest Latowski like, actually played. Uh, uh, I don't. I feel like Jack Adams never even played in the league. I don't even know. I don't know. Let's go. Uh, let's pick a. Let's pick a last name here. Let's go. Uh, fucking. Uh, um, freaking uh, Bill Bill Pyatt. I don't know. I made up a guy. An, an admirable guess, I suppose. It... But um, we were looking for Gus Bodner. Hmm. I am familiar. Just Fort William, really... Ontario. Yeah. That's fair. Didn't I, know I, a lot I... of the specs on that. Yeah. Career. No, that's fair. All right, we'll give you one more, and if you can, if you can pull this one out of your ass, we'll go to a tiebreaker. Steve Passmore. All right. This Thunder Bay player was born April fifth, nineteen seventy-seven. Better. In Thunder Bay, Ontario, was drafted in the seventh round. In 1996, still doesn't eliminate Steve Passmore by the Phoenix Coyotes. Wait, um, what, sorry, what was the the draft year and position? 96, no. a seventh round to the Phoenix Coyotes. 96. Uh, his transactions include a December 28th, 2001 trade to the Vancouver Canucks with Todd Warner, Tyler Book, and Phoenix's third round choice. In uh, two thousand, in the two thousand three entry draft for Drake Barahowski and Dennis Pedersen, I think I know who this is. On July third, two thousand three, he signed as a free agent with the Columbus Blue Jackets. Nope, there goes that guess. On January seventh, two thousand five, he signed as a free agent with Freiburg in the Swiss League. On July sixth, two thousand six, he signed with the defending Stanley Cup champion Carolina Hurricanes. What? What was the date? July 6th, 06. July 6th, 06. On August 3rd, 2008, he signed as a free agent with Astana of the KHL. And on April 16th, 2010, he announced his retirement from professional hockey. 2010. Brutes, can you give me this Thunder Bay native? Oh, God. Columbia, Carolina. The fuck else was on that cup team? Uh, well, I guess would have been uh, played. On. Oh no, signed with the defending Stanley Cup. So he he was in Freeburg the year after the lockout. Uh, he did not play the year after the lockout. Okay, 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 okay. So Phoenix, Vancouver, Columbus, Carolina. Yes, I am going to guess that we are talking about. Ooh, could be too late. Did he play anywhere else to eliminate him? No, I, I think we're talking about Trevor Latowski. Trevor Latowski, that is correct. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. You got it. Here it is. Good job, man. Cool, yeah. I didn't fucking know there Trevor you go. Latowski. You've, you've got both of the uh, 1970s born NHLers that we've Nailed had it. come up. Nailed it. You want a tiebreaker then? Uh, Sure. All right. Tiebreaker just for the shits and giggles. Oh, this the is a good one. Shits and giggles. His uh, hockey reference page up here. It's actually too old. He doesn't have one. Oh, we're talking go. about freaking uh, Ditz McClusa clan. All right. Uh, this player was born February seventh, nineteen fifty-five. Okay. He was drafted in the first round of the nineteen seventy-four draft to the Buffalo Sabers. Oh God. Uh, his transactions include: he was claimed in nineteen seventy-nine by the Edmonton Oilers in the expansion draft from the Buffalo Sabres. Oh, no. 
And on March 6th, 1987, oh, he was no. traded to Buffalo by Edmonton with Mark Napier. Oh, no. Edmonton's fourth round choice uh, for Norman Lacombe, Wayne Van Dorp, and a fourth round pick. Trade, for, sorry, he, sorry, he was traded to Buffalo. That was the Buffalo trade? Uh, in 87, he was traded okay. to Buffalo from Edmonton. Um, no official retirement date, but his last NHL season came in 1987 at the age of 31 with the Buffalo Sabres following said trade. Uh, Brutes, can you name that Thunder Bay player? Now, because I'm always thinking while you're talking, you don't you don't give me like a career games play day. I'm just, I'm in the dark there. Could be 100, could be 30. It, all of these guys um, are either players that you definitely have heard of or have played over like 300 games like this this guy played yeah close to a thousand games in NHL oh no we're not talking about a scrub here I have a guess but I'm gonna feel really dumb if it's a fucking stupid guess but there's only like there's, there's literally only one name that's coming to mind I don't feel like it could be anyone else and the problem is I do have a big problem here I I'm fairly confident on the last name, but I sort of forget the first name sometimes because um, because there are so many of them in Thunder Bay. Uh, God, I I'm gonna guess that we are talking about Lee Foglin. Lee Foglin is technically correct. Yeah, uh, there was Lee Foglin, and there was Lee Foglin Jr. And we were looking for Lee Foglin Jr. <laughs> Uh, okay. So there you go. Uh, that is correct. Yeah, uh, that's not to say that we won't hear more from the Fogelin family. Oh, God, I'm going to have to brush up on, on Lee Fogelin Sr. On future episodes of the podcast. But, but Lee Fogelin is fucking, it's yeah, fucking correct. Though, I would have felt really dumb if I got that wrong. But I that's, knew, I, knew I, I was pretty confident it was Fogelin, So Last uh, cool. captain to serve the Edmonton Oilers prior to Gretzky taking over. Uh, Lee Fogelin winning two cups with those... Oilers teams. Brutes, it's time for the top ten. Oh god. It's back. The top ten is back. Yeah. Top ten. Yeah, this was a this was a troublesome oh one, wasn't god. it? This was this was tricky. Yeah, so I mean, like, you know, uh, it was my week to to pick and, and I, I picked the freaking uh, top ten uh freaking uh Blink one eighty two songs. And, uh, just you know, make it easy on us. Yeah, because I, I, I was just, I've been listening to Blink 182 for a couple of days, thinking about their music, trying to, you know, think about, like, how to evaluate their music. I figured it'd be a good time to do it. And, uh, didn't really realize, I don't really have a lot of hard opinions about Blink 182, like anything controversial. Like, there's not, like, a lot of, I don't really dislike any of their music. Like, even their new stuff, it's not the same. It's still, it's still, as far as, like, bands who maybe, um, I wish, like, the original lineup was still together or something like that. Like, Bands that maybe go way past their fame, I still think their music's pretty decent. Like, it's still fine. Um, it's not like, please stop. You know, where, like, there are bands... I don't want to throw anyone under the bus, really, but there are bands that I used to like where it's like, for the love of God, this is enough. Um, they're doing good, I still think. So, this was a tough one. Okay. But I think I narrowed it down to my... And, and we should clarify, we're doing top ten favorite yes. songs. Yes. Too. So, this, this isn't best. This isn't best, because that'd be tough... I don't. Uh, that'd be really hard to measure Blink One Eighty Two's best songs because it's, it's all the same six chords. It's a lot of yeah. a lot of similarities. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, how about you go first? I'll go first. Yeah. Okay. My number ten is uh, Adam's song. Cool. Uh, off the album Enema of the State. 
uh, from the 1999. Emotional Song, which you don't get a lot of tough one. from early Blink. It's a tough one. Came so. on at work today. Really good song. Oh, really good song. Oh. I would have cried for sure. Yeah, like it, it still slaps though. That's the thing. Oh, it does. You know what I mean? Like it's yeah. still, it's still, you can still get into it, but. Uh, get that apple juice for it's, sure. It's, it's, a little, it's a little emotional for sure. Yeah. Uh, my number 10. Uh, which is really fucking going off the board on this one, but uh, my number ten is uh, Six Eights off of their album uh, Calif- California from 2016. Uh, the reason it's called Six Eights is because it's done in uh, a Six Eights time signature, and it's just a weird sort of. So, 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 it, so the funny thing about it is like uh, Mark Hoppus has gone on record as to saying that they called it that as a as like a wink nod sort of thing to Blink fans being like, hey, guess what? We did something different. <laughs> and so they called it that just because it's like, hey, here's a different song. Like it just it was kind of a joke. So, but the song itself is unbelievable. I think it's really good. It's it's very different. Um, sort of like like if if 2003 Blink 182 met like very small met with System of a Down for like 20 minutes and made a song kind of thing. Like it's just like it's got very like toxicity sort of sound to it. Uh, it's really heavy. It's really cool. It's it's neat. I like it. It's awesome. I love it. Okay, for you, man. Uh, my number nine is. We're doing the hand thing again there. Two thousand three Blink One Eight Two song. Um, always. Okay. Yeah. Always off of the uh, 03 self titled album. Um, yeah. Again, I don't know. Like, this is another side of Blink One Eight Two that you didn't get a lot of. Um, the the softer side. Um and uh, always been a big fan of this. Not only this this song, but this this album in general. Like, there's a few that I I left out that I I wanted to get a spot on the list for. Didn't really work out. Um, so I don't know. Just been cursing you all day about putting this this fucking list in front of me. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. I'm really sorry that this was well, very difficult. It's for me. tough. So always is number nine. Yeah. Uh, my number nine is Anthem Part 2 from Take Off Your Pants and Jacket, 2001. Nice. Um, really cool sort of riff. Got a high energy song. Um, now, I will say this. I, I really actually haven't paid attention to how my list shakes out in terms of this. I really prefer Mark Hoppus as a musician to Tom DeLonge when they're separate. And I found that the majority of their songs, I prefer a Mark Hoppus song over a Tom DeLonge song. Um, but this is a Tom DeLonge song, mm. largely. And uh, it's great. It's really good. It's the opening song off the album. It sets a tone. I think it sort of was a song that ushered in a, a bit of a different sound for them. Like a little bit more of a less pure raw punk, a little bit more of a produced sort of rock sound. And uh, it's it's still very punky, though. It's great. And Solid song, two. yeah. No, you're not wrong. There, there is definitely like forty Blink One Eight Two songs that could easily fall into like the same ten to seven slot for me on this list. So, um, it's tough. Not gonna lie. Uh, my number eight is. So this is gonna be like, yeah, I don't know. This is fucking hard. What do you want me to do? It's really hard. Yeah. Uh, my number eight is First Date. Number eight, First Date. Number eight, first date. Number eight, first date. You got it. Um, fun fucking song. 
I remember it's like cool. I remember like when I heard this it's cool. song. It's got a hilarious video too. I hadn't had my first date at the time, mm-hmm. and I was like, "Ah, oh, this is what this is what Dayton's like." This is what like. Dayton's like. This is, I got I got to do my fucking hair and, oh, and right. you know pick her up in like a car. Tom DeLong in yeah, the video, right? It's not good, um, but the song is, and that's why it made uh, <laughs> made my list. So, moral of the story: dating terrible, song great though. There it is. Um, song is better than all of my first dates. So. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if I've ever had a really like a good first date because most of the most of the girls I ended up dating I kinda knew prior to it. So like yep. the first date was like I had already planted the seeds. Right. You know what I yeah. mean? So I, I, I didn't I had really, a couple of those. I've had a couple had, of genuine first dates. Yeah. But, yeah. I had a good one a couple summers ago and then I'm not with her. Uh my number eight is uh going away to college off Enema of the State, nineteen ninety nine. Oh. Um Love it. It's just fucking cool song. Cool riff. I like the sound of it. Uh, yeah. I haven't been this scared in a long time. Nice. Yeah. Right on. Um, oh, yeah. I should add at this point, uh, I, I'm fully aware. That I, I'm a, I, I wouldn't say I'm a huge Blink-182 fan, but I'm a, I would say I'm a big Blink-182 fan. I wouldn't go huge. You know, it's a bigger, sure. it's a bigger, it's a bigger word. Um, I'm, I'm, there's going to be some notable omissions here. Just so everyone's aware. Like, I'm not going to cover all of the hits here. I'm sure you've already deduced that from the first three songs, that we're not going to cover all of the fucking slam dunk hits here tonight. That's fine. It'll happen. Mm -hmm. Uh, Going back to my first date, uh, when I was on my first date with my current girlfriend, I was 23. And I'm surprised she liked Mm -hmm. me at the time. Because my number seven is, what's my age again? Mm -hmm. Number seven, what's my age again? That bitch hung up on me. Did she? No, it, just uh, referencing the song. I was going to say, hopefully yeah. she doesn't fucking listen. No, she didn't. She, she might listen to it. Does she like what Blink-182 is? Is she going to listen to it? It's hard to say. Because she'll listen to the top ten overrated, underrated, favorite least favorites. Yeah. I think sometimes if it's yeah. like something that relates something to her. Fun. Something about booze, typically. So she might listen to Big drinker. My, mm. old, my old lady. Mm, my old <laughs> lady. <laughs> Dude, I love when guys call their girlfriend my old lady. Like, or like, because it's funnier. Like, my- it's, it's one thing... When a dude calls his wife that, that's pretty funny. But like when like a twenty, like you're in your situation, you're 28 years old and you just called your 20. I got to do math. 25 year old girlfriend, your old lady. Yeah, love it. Yeah, I love that shit. Old old spirit. Yeah, yeah. My old lady. next time my girlfriend, I'm gonna call her my old lady all the time and just see how that goes. <gasps> Maybe not in the first date. Uh, yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, hopefully if I do do that, you know, we'll freaking, uh, stay together for the kids, you know, uh, uh <laughs> oh boy, that's a James, uh, sort of transition there, uh, 2001, take is, off, is this what I freaking sound like take every off week? your, <laughs> take off your pants and jacket, 2001, uh, yeah, I mean, your song's really fun, mine's super emotional, uh, uh, uh I wouldn't say their most emotional song, but it's up there, that's a, it's a tough one, um, I was recently 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 listening to it, and when we were initially going to do this, I was going to suggest we do overrated, underrated, favorite, least favorite. I think it's their most underrated song. I do think it doesn't get enough respect in the uh, pantheon of all their um, singles. It's it's a single. It did well in the charts, but I do think that is it's not one of my top five favorites. But I think it is one of their five best songs. I I think it's just lyrically super interesting. Obviously, they do this all the time where Mark and Tom, like, Mark will sing the verse and, and Tom will sing the chorus. And, and that's what they do in this song. But 
it's sort of two different perspectives, yeah. the verse versus the chorus. And the way they do that, I mean, it's very surface level, you know what I mean? It's like way too, you can't expect them to be super fucking deep all the time. But the way that they do that in this song, I think works really well. And, um, I mean, this is really as deep at the time as you were going to get for a Blink-182 song, and they, they crush it. Like, mm-hmm. absolutely crush it. Mm-hmm. So, um, I think Stay Together for the Kids is a phenomenal song, and it is my seventh favorite of theirs. Speaking of getting emotional, mm-hmm. um, this next uh, Adam's song... Adam's song again. Uh, number six on my list. This this song might get you down. Mm-hmm. Oh, down, down, yeah, down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Down, down, down. You can get down. Uh, down. Number down. six. <laughs> it's fucking it's fucking down um this this song was instrumental in many a breakups like what we're talking about here first dates two songs later we're getting down like this is how not not the good kind of getting down getting down the the bad bad way we're getting down emotionally yeah so um it reminded me um sorry go ahead it's a good arc yeah yeah when you were when you were going on and kept saying down there reminded me of the simpsons when uh when uh, Mr. Burns is trying to pick an heir for his vast fortune, mm. and he just keeps saying, my vast fortune. Vast, vast, vast! Vast. And then everyone's like, oh! And then they, they cheer at that mm. part for some reason. I, I was thinking more, uh, get into the Greek, uh, like a dog that's gone insane. <laughs> bringing me down, down, down. Down, down. Yeah, it's possible, that song. It's possible Infensora was related, was, uh, sorry, uh, influenced by... Blink one eighty two and same managers now, actually. Uh, I should go back like a little bit off topic here. I should go back to what we were talking about. I mentioned I made a mention earlier that our season's been going on for almost a year because Ugh. of the way the hockey season's gone. And um, I was listening back to our season preview episode because I was trying to just or just because I was trying to find a clip for something, and uh, but I couldn't find it because I didn't know where it was in the episode, so I had to listen to most of it. And at one point of our season premiere this year. I mentioned that we were going to do a top 10 Simpsons episode. Uh, sorry, not episode, like a top 10. Um, so you're going to need to, you're going to need to watch those. Catch up. First, first, uh, I'd say nine seasons. Uh, I'm on season Eight. four. So. Oh, okay. Yeah. You're doing good then. I, you know what? You can watch nine. You're probably not going to pick anything other than, oh, other okay. than the first episode. Um, when, not to spoil anything for you, but the season pre, I, you, I think you've seen this episode. Um, so, it's I think it, I can't remember if it's St. Patrick's Day or whatever, but they all go to Moe's and uh, Moe tells them that they need to pick a designated driver. Someone's got to be the designated driver. They don't know how to pick. So literally there's a, a, a jar of pickled eggs. They all are going to reach in. There's one rotten egg. Whoever grabs the rotten egg is a designated driver. And of course the drunk, Barney, who you're familiar with, mm-hmm. uh, is the one who grabs the rotten egg, which mm-hmm. is just fucking hilarious plot line. So they're drinking at the bar that night. And Barney's just sitting there, like, sweating, because he's an alcoholic. He's, like, having super big withdrawals. Right, right. And the fucking peanut bowl starts dancing on the bar to the tune of Oh Yeah from fucking Ferris Bueller. Oh, yeah. And that's the Duff beer theme song. And Barney's like, oh, God, not tonight. And, of course, Duff Man walks in, and he's like, I have a uh, bottomless barrel of Duff for Barney Gumble." And they bring in this huge fucking glass, frosted glass, like massive, like a barrel size, uh, for Barney. And uh, they're telling him to chug. Everyone's chanting chug, and Barney's just standing there, and he's like, I can't. I'm the designated driver. And then the record scratches, and he's like, uh, yeah, that's swell. Uh, Duff wholeheartedly supports the designated driver program. Now, who wants to party? And it's like the greatest night ever. 
Anyway, they cut to Barney driving the car home, and he's like clearly losing his mind with Bar- with Homer, Lenny, and Carl all singing in the car. He drops them all off, but he's driving Homer's car because Barney doesn't have a car because he's a drunk. And uh, drops Homer off, and Homer's like, "Don't worry, Barney. Just bring. Just don't forget to bring back my car back tomorrow. Just slide it under the door." And Barney's like, "Oh yeah, I'll fucking bring it back tomorrow, all right." So they cut to two months later, and Homer's posting like uh, flyers for his lost car because it hasn't come back. Barney gets dropped off in front of Moe's in a limo, and then basically, like Homer's trying to figure out where his car is. Turns out Barney parked it in um, uh, World, the center of World Trade Center Plaza, and it's got a boot on it. So the Simpsons have to go to New York to get Homer's car back. It is one of my favorite episodes. So I would watch that episode, but you could probably turn season nine off after that, because it's pretty bad after that. My number five is feeling this. Oh, I never gave uh, my six. Oh, oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, My, my, yeah, well, your number five is feeling this. Well, you talk about that. I can, I can. Uh, I'm feeling this, you know, it's a good list. It's a good good list. Okay. I would say of their really big songs, feeling this. It might be my least favorite of like their really big songs. They claim it's their best. They do. Uh, it is. It is. It's well done musically. Yeah. It's just not that. I just don't really get anything out of it. I don't know. I used to. I used to like it. I don't know. I've just never really loved it. It's. It's good though. I'll, mm-hmm. I'll listen to it. I won't, okay. I won't turn it off. Uh, my number six is always off Blink One Eighty Two nice. two thousand three album. Um, it was not on the list for quite a while, and then I thought about it again, and I'm like, yeah, no, that song fucking kicks ass. Uh, my number five is The Rock Show off Take Your Pants and Jacket 2001 I did not like it for years and I love it now it's awesome I cool it's fucking really cool so I like how I said I didn't have any of their hits on there and I went three in a row stay together for the kids always and The Rock Show uh, not a lot of singles coming up though that's fine yeah. is it back to me now? it is back to okay. you you can do uh, four number four you're, you're uh, allowed to do your number four now is, is Man Overboard hmm yeah I thought that was your favorite. Nope. Hmm. Nope. Good song, though. Hmm. Um, nothing wrong with it. A little earlier, I think. What, how old is this? Was, uh... It's 2000. 2000? Uh, it's, it's actually uh, oh, it is, yeah. a bonus track from the Mark, Tom, and Travis yeah. show. The Anima Strikes Back, if you will. Yeah, the Anima Strikes Back. Of course. Um, of course. Yeah. I don't know. Good song. I like it. It, it. it just, like, for me, like, the top three on this list are so much better than everything else they've done in terms of me being like a fan of the music sure that sure i think i think it's top four for me like these next four i'm like crazy yeah, about like yeah. crazy about these four yeah. songs uh, from overboard to adam's song you could put them in any list order uh, i'd probably sure. be fine with it yeah but, yeah no nah, this it was hard to rank yeah. no I, I for me we're getting into the four like these are my quintessential blink 182 songs like these are the four um that I've just been nuts about for since the first time I heard them, and I've, they've never really. Um, my number four uh, off uh, for some reason I have this listed as a 2004 album, despite having it listed as 2003 every other time. Their self-titled Blink 182 album, uh, Stockholm Syndrome. Yeah. Uh, fucking crazy about it. That song is uh, very again like six eighths. It's sort of just like this hard, sort of heavy. Um, just hard pounding sort of rock song it's a little bit of a departure from anything they had done to that point so is this album i guess um yeah it's it's great like the the weirdest thing about this is like 
you know, people, if you were to rank the album by how popular each song is, like, this song would maybe be, like, five to eight range kind of thing. Like, it's not really that popular of a song. Um, but that is a testament to how great this album is. Like, this album could go down as, like, maybe the most underrated rock album of the 2000s, because it just really doesn't get talked about in, like, the grand scheme of rock. But it's, this is an, it's an incredible fucking album. Like, this is what the third song I think I've had off of it like I could have easily had many more yeah you know no I, I, I had this album I can't find it for the life of me I don't know where the hell it ended up but um, love love the shit of this album so yeah, yeah. can't go wrong with any of the choices yeah it's for sure. uh, number three stay together for the kids ah off of the 2003 ah, album ah ducklings 2001 sorry 2001 album take off your pants and jacket if you haven't already, please do so now. <laughs> uh, yeah, you nail it emotionally. Uh, de- de- you know, big departure from from what you kind of came to expect from Blink One Two at this point in their career. You know, one song they're talking about, you know, fucking on the first date, and you know how old you are when you're making prank phone calls, and mm. and the next they're talking about uh, you know staying together for the kids because it's it's emotional for sure. You know? It's hard to wait. Yeah, it is. It is. Yeah. So yeah, tell me about go. it. Number three. Uh, my number three is uh, off Blink 182's 2003 uh, self titled album. Uh, I Miss You. Yeah. I've never stopped enjoying this song. I think it's uh, um, their best sort of. Well, I mean, not not like they have a lot of ballads, but it's their it's their best sort of soft song. Uh, very sentimental. It's obviously very popular. Like I, I, it might be that. It's easily top three most popular of their songs. You could even argue it might be their most popular. Like, I don't know. Like, everyone knows this fucking song. Um, but I do think because of, uh, because of its popularity, maybe it gets lost on how brilliant of a song it is. And the song is pure genius. Like, it's just unbelievable. Uh, I miss you, number three. Number three. Uh, a, a song that we make fun of uh, very frequently at band mm-hmm. practice. Everything's a meme now. Yeah, true. Uh, number two for me is Damn It. Mm. Damn It. Uh, God damn it. Real fun song. Consarn it. Um, it was early. in the top 20. Dude mm-hmm. Ranch, 1997. Yeah, for sure. Second album. It's a good one. Um, it's probably like 13th for me. It was yeah. up there. Short, sweet, yeah. gets in your face, tells you to fuck off, and then you're back on your way. Yeah, they, they're really good at short songs. I gotta yeah, yeah. say that. That's yeah. another thing. That's what happens when you have three chords. At least they don't beat those three chords to death like ACDC. Am I right, folks? Um, sorry, did you want to say anything else no, about damn it. it? You're good. Damn it. God damn it. Uh, my number two. Actually, you know what's fun about this? My top two are not actually on uh, on studio albums. Uh, my number two is from their fucking greatest hits 2006 album. Uh, it's also on the deluxe version of their uh, self-titled Blink-182 album for 2003. Uh, not now. Not now. Late cut. Yeah, Real late cut. fucking really good. Really good. Two really and one late. are really close for me, but I, I had to give the edge to number yeah. one. But yeah, my number two's not now. It's fucking, that's a banger. I had not Absolute now sitting banger. in the top seven for the longest time and slowly just... It's just it's just solid. Like, it has, uh, it has a really hard-hitting intro. Like, it just comes at you really quick, like older Blink. It's got a really catchy chorus. Uh, there is actually some... You know what I mean? Like, there's just... It's a musically for them at the time a more complicated song and uh yeah it's, it's good 
Big fan. Uh, my number one is Rock Show. Mm. The first song I ever heard by Blink-182. Cool. Uh, the first song that uh, I had Big Shine Tune 6. Uh, this and Fat Lip by Sum 41 mm. were dun, 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 dun. My, mm. my big takeaways from that. Apparently I liked punk music and I didn't even know it. So there it is. Rock Show. I think it's fucking hilarious. Can't wait to move to vegas when i'm 17 and uh have, wait till my girlfriend's parents leave town that's right it's gonna be a great great I'm time up with the girl at the rock show uh, my number one is off of uh, the mark tom and travis show it's from 2000 my favorite blink 182 song is man overboard nice there it is Man overboard there it is that's good right. call probably in my top 30 favorite rock songs man so it's, i'm a big fan Ooh, no. that is uh thornley um yeah okay so i guess that's it yeah yeah. Uh, catch us next week when, you do, when we do uh, the top 10 Sum 41 songs because these two bands can't go uh, very long without being mentioned in the same breath. Is that so, your pick? No. Oh. Oh. Be hilarious, though, wouldn't it? Maybe it will be. I don't know. We'll see. Oh. i got all week to think about it. Oh. Fuck you. It's my podcast. Oh. It's our podcast. Okay. We can do what we want. Good night. See ya. Hey, guys. Oh, big gulps, huh? All right. Well, see you later. Come get your duds in order Cause we're bound to cross the water Heave away, me jollies, heave away Come get your duds in order Cause we're bound to leave tomorrow Heave away, me jolly boys We're all bound away Sometimes we're bound for Liverpool Sometimes we're bound for Spain Heave away, me jollies, heave away but now we're bound for old St. John's where all the girls are dancing. Heave away, and me jolly boys, we're all bound away. I wrote me love a letter, I was on the Jenny Lynn. Heave away, me jollies, heave away. I wrote me love a letter, and I signed it with a ring. Heave away, and me jolly boys, we're all bound away. Sometimes we're bound for Liverpool, sometimes we're bound for Spain. Heave away. But now we're bound for old St. John's where all the girls are dancing Eve away, I mean jolly boys, we're all bound away Heave away, and me jolly boys, we're all bound away. Sometimes they're bound for Liverpool.